Hello, and welcome to the Shea Hates Everything podcast, where we talk about video games, movies, comics, and other shit that matters. My name is Shay, and today I hate that it takes me over two hours round trip to get to and from work every day. And my name is Kyle, and today I hate that my wife is sick, and I don't know if I'm going to get sick too. It's a psychological thing. The second you start like look poking holes like, ooh, I'm feeling a little stuffed up, or oh, I feel a little scratch in my throat, you start justifying, and that's when your body gives up. I, I This happens to me all the time. Anytime I'm like, oh, I think I might be getting sick, invariably I get sick. You have to say, no, I'm not getting sick, I'm totally fine, and then you will be fine. Yeah, because it's the weekend, I'm not yes. going to get sick on the weekend, that's exactly. bullshit. <laughs> exactly my reasoning. I have a coworker who she came into work and was like sniffling and sneezing and coughing like the whole morning. And I was texting Kelly and I was like, I swear on all that is holy. If I end up getting sick this weekend, like this, it's been a very long couple of weeks for me guys. And this isn't a video podcast so you can't see, but we are in our new home today. Recording Which is live. Why you now have a longer commute to work. Well, yes, it is way, way longer, and it is terrible, but it is my life, and therefore I must accept it, or I will be sad for a long time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, there, we've been moving, I'm still with the new job situation, and then at work, this past week, we had our yearly sales kickoff, and so for people that don't work in corporate jobs, um, which I'm jealous, is, I mean, it's basically like the yearly get-together of the sales team and the marketing team and the customer success team and the product team. And you kind of all get together, kind of realign on what's going to be your go-forward stuff for this year. And it's just kind of, there's a lot of rah-rah, we did great, but there's also a lot of training and everything else. And so on the marketing side, even though it was like my second or third week, I helped put together a couple of the presentations. So it was just a shit ton of work last week. And then this week, I had my first week of my new commute Plus, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday for the kickoff, I had to be at work before 8 a.m. to make sure we were ready to go for 8 a.m. Then, Tuesday and Thursday, we had happy hours after the event. So, like, it was 8 to 5, and then I stayed an extra hour and a half to two hours to, like, mingle with coworkers that I'm just meeting and a lot of people that are from out of state. So, it was just very long days. Like, I had to get – I know I, – I was texting you about this, Kyle, and I know it's not new for you. But I had to get up at 5.30, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, so that I could leave by 6.30. So that I could get to work by seven forty-five. It's a bummer. It was it was that early. Yes, and then get home at like eight p.m. Yeah, it, it was. It was a very long week. Plus all the moving shit, which I won't go into a huge thing about the moving shit, but I do have to rant just a little bit. We were supposed to move with me and my wife, my father-in-law and mother-in-law, my sister-in-law, and then we had two couples that are friends. Wife and her husband, wife and her husband, and we had hired a dude who like is a professional mover that we were going to pay $20 an hour to come here and help us. And he was, you know, my wife talked to him on the phone and he was like, oh, you're going to have four guys because my father-in-law, like we don't, he's, you know, he's had heart issues. We don't want him lifting heavy stuff. So he was right. going to help more the packing and everything else. So basically we were going to have four dudes. He was like, you're going to have four dudes. Like we're going to be able to get this done super easy. Well, the night before moving. One of our couple friends, wife and her husband, said they weren't going to be able to come because they heard that there was a fr- friend emergency that was out of state, so they had to go last minute and do that. So we're not ma- like not mad, totally justifiable reason, but it, like it affected Still us sucks. and was going to make it a little bit harder. And then on the day of, one of our couple, other couple friends got there, 
the uh, woman and her husband. And so him and I were moving a lot of stuff ourselves, like waiting for the big dude to get there. And he was like an hour late. And my wife was trying to call him. She couldn't get in touch with him. So she started calling other people. And now he's like two hours late. Found out that he went to a funeral that day. Which, like, if true, yes, justifiable reason to not be able to help us. But we hired you to do this. Yeah, you're an you're adult. You're not even going to tell us? You're responsible for communicating the fact that you will not be there. Yes. So, instead of four guys, one of whom is a professional mover, we had two guys. And I don't want to throw the other guy under the bus, but I'll speak for both of us and say that the other two guys that were supposed to be there are much bigger and stronger than him and I are. <laughs> so, it was the two weaker dudes. Two. It was just two guys. Two of us. That moved, like, everything. And then right as we were finishing our packing of our apartment, Kelly was, like, just desperately calling any friends, anyone she knows, begging to get people there. Because legitimately, with just the two of us doing everything, we would not have been able to do it. Like, it's a a two-bedroom apartment moving to a a three-bedroom home. We have so much heavy shit. Like, dozens and dozens of trips up two flights of stairs to move out. It was awful. And so we got one of Kelly's friend's little brother and just a buddy of his, whom I've never met, showed up and helped us finish the move and then came to our new place and helped us unpack. So it was like the, that fresh set of young, like 23-year-old legs <laughs> that like motivated yeah. me and, and my other buddy who are both, I think he's like around 30 as well. But like we're getting old. <laughs> it's weird to say 30 is old, but it feels like it. So anyway, I said long story short, but that was still a long story. But we got it all done. But this week has been awful, just exhausting with everything going on. And so coming into this weekend, that this is my like relax weekend. And we were supposed to do all of our cleaning at our old apartment last night on Friday night. And we weren't able to because we didn't have a vacuum cleaner and it was just exhausting. And we still had a bunch of shit left over that I had to pack up. We had a bunch of like old wood. We had an old bookcase that I had to tear down and throw away all the wood. My wife used to do graphic design on mugs. And so she had three huge boxes of mugs that we needed to get rid of still. So that was like a huge thing in and of itself just last night. And we weren't even able to finish. So now we have to go back on Sunday to finish the cleaning. So I just can't get rid of this fucking place. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and all I want to do is just relax and chill. So that's the long story of why I wanted to make sure I wasn't going to get sick <laughs> for this weekend. Yeah. You can relax and chill when you're dead. Um, Yeah, I guess that's true. Be chillaxing up in way. heaven. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so, That's the next time you'll be able to relax. Um, Maybe when she's like 18. Well, actually, no, because we're going to have another kid after that. So it's probably going to be like 23 years before my kids are totally gone. And then you won't be relaxing because they'll be calling you every half a second with stuff they need. Nah. <laughs> nah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a shit ton of money so that I can like retire after my kids go to college. And like, yeah, they'll call me, they'll need stuff, I'll visit them, blah blah blah. But like I won't also be working. I'll be chilling. Fair. That's that's the plan. Okay. That's fair. Um But yeah, I don't know. If I was there, man, I would have done it all by myself. I would have moved your entire apartment by myself. You say that, but dude, there's it's it's not that easy. I'm a moving monster. I've moved a bunch in the past five years. I've moved almost almost every year for the past five years. Plus, I've helped all friends and family move multiple times. Yeah, I have. I move like two to three times a year, basically. Same here. I have all my friends that change apartments and get new places. And 
But the, the my point is, it's not like some shitty apartment to another shitty tiny apartment. We're basically moving from a fully decked out, an overstuffed two-bedroom apartment to a three-bedroom home. We, we just have a lot of shit. It's not like a couch and a dresser and a bed and then you're done. Like, there's way more stuff that we had to do. Why you gotta doubt me? I'm not saying that you couldn't help. Why don't I'm you have saying faith you could not do me, it. Shay. Because the other thing, Kyle, is going up those stairs. Yeah. And like we had we have a whole like path that goes up the hill instead that I thought would be a smarter way of trying to take things. And we had a hand truck. So like, oh, let's put the big dresser on the hand truck. I'll be pulling it up the hill and you be pushing it up the hill. And it it wasn't as good of an idea as I thought <laughs> I thought it would be, well maybe it was still better than trying to maneuver it around the stairs but the problem with the hand truck on the hill you can't stop and rest right and that's what was the killer like I think we were moving a, a big filing cabinet after we had already done the dressers and the bed and a bunch of the other big stuff the couch we were doing this big filing cabinet in the office and literally as I'm pulling it up the hill, my legs just literally gave out and I just fell down. Like it wasn't like, oh, I have to sit. Like I literally just fell down. I have never experienced that before. <laughs> and it was kind of terrifying <laughs> to, like, to, it's to like, have this that. This is what it's like, like to be old. Well, like, li- like literally my body gave up <laughs> and I've never experienced that before. <laughs> we obviously we could have used your help but no Kyle you would not have been able to move all the shit yourself you're not By carrying myself. a couch up a flight of stairs I don't know man but it's over we still have a lot of unpacking to do and settling in but all the big stuff is where it needs to go the TV set up the PS4 set up I set up the computer this morning obviously because we're recording this podcast so the, the most important things are done I have all my comic books they're out in the garage which sucks but I set up like one of those little metal stands that are like multi-tiered kind of thingies. And so they're not on the floor. Should be good. Feels good. I'll feel much better in like a month. But right now it feels okay. Yeah, I remember when Karen and I moved into our house. I mean, we still have parts of our house. We've been here for a year and a half. We still have parts <laughs> of our house that are like... Not fully this unpacked. Is, this has not been organized yet. Yeah. Um. So enjoy that process. There will. Yeah. There will always be a few boxes you've never gotten to. It's definitely it's it's going by small pieces. Like I have a couple little things that I want to accomplish today. Uh, while Kelly's at work, the the thing that's hard, and this is more on me. My wife is such like a go getter self-motivator I want to work and get stuff done that she takes the lead with these kinds of things like the moving obviously I I was going to do all the work no matter what because she's tiny but especially being like 34 weeks pregnant she really can't do much (laughs) and so even like cleaning or unpacking boxes she just gets exhausted really quick and she like she already tries to push herself too hard at work and so whenever I am around I like go overboard and saying don't do this anymore sit down which just creates that much more work for me. I'm happy to do it. Don't get me wrong. Happy might be the wrong word, but like I'm, You're I will to do, do it. it. <laughs> yes, I will do it. But it, it is. I have to do more now than I would have if she wasn't pregnant. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, for sure. But it is what it is. It'll get done. Probably by the time we leave this place in a year. But we're hiring <laughs> movers next time. We've already had that discussion. We're yeah, going to put like, away a pocket of money just for that. There's probably some boxes you don't even need to unpack. 
Well, there, yeah, there are. We have some plastic tubs that are like, yep, you're in, you're going in the corner of the uh, garage, or oh, you're going in a little crawl space in the garage. We're not even going to open you. <laughs> we don't even need to get to you. Which begs the question, like, why do we have that stuff? But <laughs> that's life. Yeah. So let's talk about some stuff. Let's talk about some some video games and some TV shows and some movies and some news. Because that's what we do on the podcast. First those, time listeners. Yeah, those are all we don't talk we about do. moving for two and a half hours. Trust me, <laughs> we can. Yeah. How long you got? Probably next in in about a year. We'll be talking about it again. I would imagine. <laughs> but hopefully this will be good because we'll have bought a house and we'll have a daughter, which will make it that much more difficult to try right. to move. So there is a quite a large video game release. In between last podcast and this podcast. I don't know what you're um, talking about. Uh, I shouldn't say... Damn it, I screwed up my own joke. Because I wa- It's Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> but I wasn't going to talk All about right. Kingdom Hearts 3. I was going to talk about a different game. But it didn't release in between. I just played it in between. So it's going to be like, oh, there's a big game that we need to talk about. That everyone expects us to talk about. And it's Gris. That was going to be the joke, but I ruined it for myself because Gris did not release, and so it would have it would have been inaccurate. So you explaining the joke is probably just as effective as the joke would have been. So yeah, that's true. That's very true. I'm just going to blame it on being exhausted. Like any any <laughs> any like shitty comments or bad hosting I do, I'm just going to blame it on being exhausted. And hey, that's going to be like a really repeatable excuse in about a month and a half. Like every episode, I'm going to be like ah. This is a shitty episode because I'm a dad now, and everyone will have to be like, "Oh, it's true." Like you got to give me the benefit of the doubt. I'll get some like pity, pity <laughs> listens, pity downloads. So, Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah, we should we should talk about Kingdom Hearts three. Yeah, sure. jokes aside, um, we've both been playing a lot of Kingdom Hearts three. Mm-hmm. You've been playing even more than I have, and I've been playing a lot of it. Um, wh- what's your vibe? I feel like I mean it's gotten quite good reviews, which honestly honestly has been sort of surprising. Um, there, there have been a couple naysayers here and there, but by and large, like I'm seeing a lot of nine out of tens, even nine point five out of tens. People tend to be pretty up on this and saying, "Hey, it's a great wrap up to the series. It has a lot of fun new mechanics. The combat's really interesting." Blah blah blah. So, how, where are you on that spectrum? Um, I don't know that I like it. Okay, that's actually well. Not surprisingly, because we disagree on a lot of different things, but that's not where I am at all. I'm not really confused on whether or not I like it, um, because I'm very certain that I don't. Yeah, I think, I think it is. I think it is actually a, like pretty terrible where I am so far. Yeah. So, um, I like there's really nothing about it that I'm enjoying. Um, so, <laughs> I like. The environments. Mm-hmm. The music is very good. The music is good. I'm not like I'm not as attached to it as I have been Kingdom Hearts music in the past. And you know, like we mentioned last episode, I've only played the first and the second games, so there's a lot of Kingdom Hearts that I've never played. Um, the main theme, or not, yeah, not even the theme, but like opening cinematic cinematic song. That this it's a Skrillex song yep. with the chick that's done the other ones. Like I didn't hate it, hate it, 
I don't know if I liked it, which probably means I didn't, but the original Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2, both of them, them were fantastic. Right. And so this is a step back no matter what for me. The rest of the music, I, I'm not like paying that much attention to it. Okay. And a lot of it feels somewhat familiar, which I guess it should. But like when I went to Twilight Town, like all that music felt really familiar, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, Similar themes to. and whatnot. Um, yeah, like but, the the toy the toy box music I really enjoyed mm-hmm. um, for the Toy Story world. I uh, just finished that world, and yet, like that part of it, I'm I liked that world far more than I've liked anything else so far in the game. Yeah, and I'm mean, still relatively early in the actual game itself. I mean, I've played like over ten hours at this point, but just because there's so much more game to play, uh, and I've really been trying to explore everywhere, so. The first area, and we won't go into like story spoilers or anything like that, but the first area you go to is Olympus, and then Twilight Town, and then uh, Toy Box World. Those are the first three worlds, and Kyle, you're much farther than I am. Um, or is Monstropolis the next one, or are there more? No, there's um, uh, Corona, the Tangled World. Okay, um, and then and Monstropolis. Then Monstropolis, or a different one, I think. Okay. Okay, so you're you're pretty significantly farther than I am. The best thing that I can say is, of my time in the game thus far, I had the most fun and I was the most engaged in the toy box world. So I'm gonna hope that that means like I'm on an upward ramp and I will continue to like it more and more as it goes. The biggest thing, just to like put put everything in, into categories, the writing is atrocious. It's always been pretty bad, but this feels like the worst it's been. The difference to me... Yes, you are right. The writing has never been great, and the story has never been amazing. Like, it's been interesting and fun, and, like, I've gotten involved in the central characters. You know, the the Sora, Riku, Kairi thing in the beginning, and even secondary characters like Leon and all those folks. Um, and each individual world had its own story. This, at least so far, I feel less of. And granted, Twilight Town wasn't even really a world in and of itself. It was kind of like a transitionary period where yeah. they do a little more story dump on you. But like Olympus, it didn't really feel like I had finished a story when I was done with that world. And right. similarly, the other with worlds Toy Box. do. The other yeah. worlds feel like like they have their own events unfolding that are. Um, similar to like the movies and stuff. Uh, at least okay. Corona was. It was very closely tied to the events of the Tangled movie. Um, it, you're just kind of interwoven in that, much like how uh, like the first couple of games um, had that. Uh, mm-hmm. So it, it's like, yeah, the early game Kingdom Hearts Three is weird. It's just okay. it's just weird because I don't think it's emblematic of where the game is heading from. That makes where me I feel. Can tell better yeah Yeah. and i think that's why i don't want to say that i dislike the game i feel Mm -hmm. like i need to beat it before i'll know if i really liked it or not right (laughs) which is kind of crazy but um i just i'm really uh i I don't like the combat i I don't like the combat the the first game's combat was the perfect mixture of button mashing light strategy elements like throwing in like a little bit of mat and the magic in the first game is by far the best magic Mm because like the magic in two all sucks like it's not as Mm -hmm. useful and the magic in three so far has not been 
great. And they I just, like they, never use magic at all. Yeah, neither do I. They have just they have injected so many different systems into yes. it, and it seems like that like they're trying to funnel you towards using those systems instead of like just button mashing and like beating the shit out of some heartless and nobodies. Yes. Um, like they want you to use their Disney ride things and you can turn those off, but I feel like there's a prompt for one of those every five seconds. And yes. so like I use them because like, Oh, I'm getting hit a lot. So I'll they're use effective. that. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're extremely effective. They're very overpowered. And, then, and they don't cost anything. Like no. they don't cost any magic or like, yes. I, okay. I feel like we're, we're getting pretty scattered with like talking about it. So specifically on the combat part of it. Yes. There are a million different combat things like you have the partnered attacks, which Donald has one, Goofy has one, the your guest characters have one, if not yeah. more, and those like will and, randomly pop up. And that Donald you can and Goofy with. unlock different ones as you go. Right. So there's always there's almost always a triangle prompt on the screen between those, and then there are their like Disney Park theme Disney theme park ride attacks. Yes. So there's there's like a pirate ship park one. Rides. There's the teacups one. There's like a splash mountain one, which is actually kind of fun to do because you're in a water vehicle thingy yeah. and you're kind of bouncing around and you can jump and you're creating this path of water behind you. And then when time runs out, you like shoot all the way back up the water path that you just created. They all look amazing. Like all the visuals of the attacks and the special attacks all look really great. The problem is there are only X amount and they happen all the time. Every and single so, time. Like, I mean, I, I've granted, I've been playing for I've been playing for ten hours, but it's probably gonna take me like sixty hours to finish this game. I've already seen at least the ones that I have unlocked, I've seen all of them probably twenty five times, yeah. if not more. Each and every one of them. Yeah. Like I'm getting bored with them already, and I have so much more games still to play. Yeah. And there, there's an option to reduce some of the animation times when you trigger those kinds of things. So yeah. I, I need to make sure I turn that on because it's very obnoxious at this point. But still, even like doing yeah, them is getting boring. Yeah. And 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 the partnered attacks, those happen all the time, and that's getting boring. When you're fighting, you have like you can um call you change have your forms. Right. Yes, that wasn't the, well, the keyblade yes. can change forms essentially. Right. So as you're hitting enemies, the you're building this meter, and when the meter gets to full, you can change form. Like basically, you unlock new abilities, and the keyboard keyblade changes form into something else, typically, um, and it like unlocks new movement options and all that stuff. So there's all of that layered with all of your partner attacks, layered with all the Disney rides, and then there's flow motion, which is anything that's, like, shining or glittering or whatever. And you, that, can, you can hit a prompt and, like, run up a wall or, like, spin around a pole. And it's just, there I've are done so, none of that. No, me neither. I've, there are it's so stupid. many fucking prompts. It drives me yes. insane. I because wish it even, was just the change forms. Like, I don't even give he, a shit about the partner attacks. Even on top of that, though, you also, with your specific keyblades, you can get special attacks. So, yep. like, one of the keyblades, you have Fyraga, and you'll randomly get a prompt to use Fyraga, which is also triangle. Yeah. And so, like, you can literally have four triangle prompts all at once that yeah. you need to, like, cycle through. It's with either arcs, with, like, L1 or L2, L2 or yeah, L2. whatever. You need to cycle through them and make sure you hit the right one at the right time. And even, not even just the different forms that you get with the different weapon, the different keyblades, but there's also, like, a dark Sora form. Have you gotten that one? Yeah, if you get, like, your the crap beaten out of you too much... 
it pops oh, that well, up. Maybe that's why I get that one a lot. Yeah. Because <laughs> I get hit a lot. Because I'm not finding the movement of the game to be to feel very good. Yeah, yeah the like, movement does not feel good. There's a lot the of animation sucks. priority. And like if you just tap on the left analog stick to move, Sora takes like two full steps. Yeah. It's like it's total Witcher syndrome. It's really, really yeah. bad movement. Where like in order to actually like walk a single step, you have to very lightly push up and hold on the left analog stick and Sora will go into a walk cycle instead of a run cycle. Um, mm. But I found like I can't fucking line up myself on a save point because the movement is so bad. He just moves yeah. too much with a single flick. I have to like slowly creep it up to have him walk onto the save point. And the flow motion makes it worse too because yeah. which is when you mentioned liking the worlds, I like them all in theory because I like the worlds of Disney, but moving around the worlds, I do not enjoy at yeah. all. Because you can run up walls, which feels really buggy. Because you can run up, like they design it so you can do the flow motions. You can run up the wall, jump off the wall, run sideways on the wall. But if you run all the way up a lot of walls, there's an invisible wall at the top. So right. you can't like go on, on top of the roof that looks like you should be able to go on top of it. You can't. Some of them you can, but not all of them. And so it feels like... I don't know where the game wants me to go a lot of times. Yeah. And that sense of exploration and discovery that I had more so in the first game than even the second one of like, I want to look in every nook and cranny. I don't even know what nooks and crannies I can look in in this game right. because so I'm constantly in, in running into game, invi like, invisible walls. The laws of each world are very clearly established. Like you, you very quickly learn like, okay, what I can do, what I can't do. Like this is what the movement allows for. But in this game, there are so many options. It's overwhelming, and you, I, I, I never feel like I have fully canvassed an area. Uh, I never yes. have that feeling where it's like, yeah, you know what? I think I got everything because like yes. there could be some stupid ass shiny wall somewhere I didn't run up, and then it, yeah, I just, I really, really hate that. Um, and there's also grinding to get certain places, and you there can be combat oh, yeah, while rails. you are grinding. Yeah, the rails. Like, there's just so much shit. There's a whole thing where you press R1, and you go into this, like, shooter mode, where you target over guys, oh, and then if you God. attack, it auto-shoots at them. Ugh. Like, there's just too many. And this is a product of it taking them 13 fucking years to make this game. Yeah. This, this is, like... The tried and true process, every single game that gets worked on for this long comes out and is a piece of shit because after this long, they've run like they've run out of the ability to say no. They just want to throw more and more systems at the game. Which is when I like when I look at, hey, for the Final Fantasy VII remake, I like don't want to play that game now. There have been too many examples of games that take 10 years to develop where there are just there's way too much going on and a lot of it's not fun. Like the little R1 to you know lock on to dudes and shoot them like that's not fun to do. There's a whole other system where you do that and then you go over certain shiny things and press square and it teleports you to those things. Yeah. Like that sucks ass. Like it's not fun at all and again leads to that like I don't know where I can go and where I can't go. Right. There's a whole taking pictures mechanic of these hidden Mickey symbols that you need to get. There's just it's just so much shit yeah. that isn't fun. And it's a bunch of side stuff. Like you don't have to engage with a lot of it if you don't want to. But as someone that has been waiting 13 years for this game that wants to get the most out of it that they can, I'm just I'm not enjoying 
like a single second of what I'm doing. I'm not even finding the combat to be fun because there's so much going on at once and because there's so much repetition of all these different special attacks. I just, I don't like it. The most fun I've had in combat was in the toy box world because you get into like these mechs. And then it simplifies everything. Right. Because you just move and shoot and you have a special attack and that's it. And that's the most fun I've had with the combat. And it's not even the Kingdom Hearts combat. It's a separate combat system. <sighs> Is there anything else on the gameplay? Because I want to get back to the story. Um, For me, I mean, it's just... I, I feel like I'm getting hit in this game so much more than in any other Kingdom Hearts game. Right. And I also feel like those hits are doing more damage. Way I was more playing damage. on normal. Yeah, uh, same. And I chose, like, in the beginning, I chose, like, the Guardian and, like, I would assume a defense oh, okay. focus. And I'm yeah. still like, getting the shit beat out of me. Um, so I'm like casting also, I hate their magic system where it's a meter and once it's exhausted, the whole thing has to recharge till you can use it. I fucking, yep. I'm, it was that way in the second game. I missed the first game's magic where it was just a meter that filled each thing had a separate like segment, uh, cost. And then you just rebuilt it by taking damage or hitting enemies or picking up orbs. I hate the yep. stupid full meter thing. It's so stupid. Um, yep. but yeah, I just, uh, I, I don't, I don't know. I, Oy. The game looks amazing. See, and I don't even think it looks amazing, man. Like a lot, it's very colorful, and a lot of the attacks look great. But the actual worlds themselves, and particularly like the cutscenes and the character interactions, it looks like they were they were working on this 13 years ago. Like the the actual like CG cutscenes, I think look terrible. They look like PS2 CG cutscenes to me. The characters are all shiny and flat looking, like. Where it looks like they're, they're they're dolls, like they don't have pores. They're just shiny blank slates, like action figures. Yeah, I think it. I think the game looks kind of terrible. A lot. I don't know. I, I like I like the visual style, um, but uh, uh, yeah, I think I think visually it's strong. Um, I think the music is strong, but minute to minute what you're doing in the world how you explore the world i just i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around the experience as a whole and that i just feel off off balance most of the yeah. time and that right uh is just it really doesn't feel fluid the way that it should right because like the first game i felt like you know you could, it's easy to wrap your head around it um the second game a little less so i think the the environments weren't as well laid out or designed uh there was I think it comes from them doing a little bit more verticality in a lot of the environments, and I think that yes. kind of uh, was a detriment. And then, um, I mean, in this one, they even took that to you know the nth degree, and it uh, just has served to make it a worse experience. Um, I've heard like they did a really nice job wrapping up the story, and there's like all the threads are kind of um, tied up. So I hope that holds something for me and you know, I, I'm hoping that a lot of the other worlds are a little less uh, vertical and just a little more traditional Kingdom Hearts yes I don't know um, I can't believe I'm saying it but I think I'm finding one of the more fun parts of the game to be the gummy ship and like it's not awesome but that kind of just shows the low bar that I have for this game right now yeah. that like because it's a little bit more of an open world-ish where you choose how to fly around. There are a lot of, 
you know, little zones where you can get XP or items and there are little enemies that you can fight or like turrets and they have kind of vortexes that shoot you from one side to the other faster and hidden special item containers that are kind of actually tedious. You basically shoot a thing at the right time and it opens it up for you. And then the actual like dog fighting part of it is an instance where like you run towards the one enemy and it opens up a separate mini game that's more like uh um what's the the classic where you're like the tank moving from side to side and all aliens are coming down in the straight lines. What's what was that game? Oh, Galaga. Thank you, Galaga. It's it's like that. Uh, but in 3D, obviously. And then there are some times where you get to a world and they have to do a boss fight in the gummy ship. Yeah. And I guess like the reason I'm liking it more than the rest of the game is I, it, it's much better than the gummy ship has ever been before. That's really the biggest thing. It's not an on-rails Star Fox thing. It's like you have more freedom of movement. And you can ignore it entirely if you want to. And that that is, is nice as well. Yeah, you can just avoid all the enemy encounters, except for the just ones that happen right before you enter a new world. Yeah. There's always yeah. a boss fight thing. Right. Um, but I, I'm wondering when that becomes too difficult to pass because you haven't been engaging sure. in combat, so your you level ship up. is too low level. I'm yeah. wondering when that's going to start That's possible. frustrating me. But the story thing, I'm, I actually think the game is doing a surprisingly good job of piecemealing out the exposition. Um, yeah. Like so, you know, we talked last episode where you watched this really long video. I went and watched a thirty-six minute video where, like, in the first five minutes, I was like, "Okay, yes, this is this is all coming back." And then in like minute six, I was already like, "Oh boy, nope, like no, this is too much." <laughs> and I still had another thirty minutes of story left. Um, they do little in-game recaps. They're like six little short chapters. Yeah. And those are like way more high level, but they at least show you the characters that you may have missed. So that was nice. Right. But like, I didn't feel like in the beginning of the game, they were like, here's everything that's happened before. It's it's happening at, at certain story beats where they're going to introduce one Organization 13 character then. Oh, in this one scene, both. Ansem and Zemnos? Yes. Zemnos are there together. And then, oh, in this one, this is where they're talking about Terra and what happened where he got, you know, taken over by Xehanort. Like, that stuff is happening relatively slowly, which I like. Yeah, I think they they have paced that well. It it doesn't feel overwhelming in a way that I thought it might. Um, And I think it it comes down to them in a very hand-holdy way. uh, They... Every time a new character comes into frame or a, a new event happens, they do like a little recap of like, oh yeah, th- that's just like when this happened and this did the thing, and like they all yeah. like the characters provide they yeah. they do a little bit of narration, um, uh, and, and kind of provide some context for the things that are happening in a very yeah. It doesn't way. it doesn't come out of nowhere. Like it's right. not it doesn't feel like an exposition dub. It feels like this flashback or this exposition fits what is happening right now in the game. It doesn't right. feel arbitrary. Right. So that that part of it's been been good. I'm still pretty confused with a lot of what is happening in yeah. the larger Kingdom Hearts story, but at least they're like they're doing the best they can with as much stupid story as there is in Kingdom Hearts. Yeah. Just know that Xehanort he traveled through time and he got a bunch of different Xehanorts and those are the like whatever the 13 shards of darkness and he right. needs 7 shards of light which were originally going to be the Disney princesses um but now they're going to be something else I don't remember. But right. Um 
the biggest problem I'm having with the story, though, is the voice acting. And like mentioned, the writing being yeah. bad. And in past Kingdom Hearts games, the writing has always been kind of lame and cheesy at times. But the performances were good enough for like they carried them through. And I still think the, um, that Sora is fine. And obviously Donald and Goofy are good. And some of the side characters are okay. Like a lot of the toy box characters were pretty decent. And they had some good sound alikes for the, the real actors. But like not even being hyperbolic the dude that is playing riku is maybe the worst voice performance i have ever heard in a video it's game really bad. and i'm not even joking it's really it is bad. unbelievable unbelievably bad well, I mean, and a lot of it is you've never played ride to hell retribution yes so i'm saying of, of not, the games i've played not worse than that but <laughs> fair enough it is bad i i think part of the problem is um the directing of the cutscenes, or maybe like how they edit them together. Yeah, like it's I'm, every single it, line and interaction bad. has an extra half a second. Of yes, too much on either time. end. Yep, on, yes. on both ends. It's like everything was recorded one line at a time in a vacuum, right. and they just couldn't splice it together effectively. Yeah, very there's strange. no flow to the conversation, no. and a lot of the writing is bad too. Don't yes. get me wrong; like that's certainly part of it. But just the voice acting has been quite terrible up to this point which like if you have a confusing overwhelming sort of stupid story with bad dialogue telling the story with bad performances delivering that bad dialogue of a bad story that's not great no <laughs> like that's not not a great combination a good mix <laughs> so i'm also getting a little annoyed in like i in the, even in the first game it was always cute and funny that donald and goofy like made fun of sora right like he was a bit of like a loser kind of, he was a little bit dopey but now that, they're really like, leaning into that like he is com- he's an idiot yeah, like he's a it's fucking almost, moron it's almost to the point where i'm like i don't want to play as him right because they make him sound like he's, he's the sad sack like, horribly the biggest loser yeah, like he's like the worst Keyblade Master to ever exist, but oh, he has to be the chosen one, so I guess we're stuck with him. Like that seems to be the attitude, and I'm just like, he doesn't feel like a hero to me because no. of that. Feels like a bumbling moron. Yeah, but and then like he's already saved the world like a couple or the universe like yeah. a couple of times. Like, <laughs> right? Why are we still playing into this trope? Like I right. was hoping for some growth there. Um and I hate to generalize, but I feel like a lot of it comes back to it just being a Japanese-developed game. Like, there is a certain aesthetic and a certain vibe of writing and of characterization that is true of Japan and China, which, look at anime. Like, it's an anime style, yeah. where it's a lot of overacting, a lot of people vocalizing reactions, yeah. where instead of, like, looking confused, they go, Huh? Like, the way that nobody does in real life. Right. It's a lot of that, which just feels really cheesy and stupid. And every time anybody is addressing Sora, Donald, and Goofy, they have to say all three of their names. Right. Slowly. Sora. Then- <laughs> Donald. Goofy. And then it has to go I'm on each one of those you. characters. And they and all have to have a little to- moment of, like, a little noise of recognition. Like, huh. Exactly. They have Ooh. to, like, nod and go, hmm. Like, like mm. yep. Yeah. Mm. That's why it fucking takes forever. (laughs) I have eyes to see. It's, it's, yeah. It, I mean, and this, it it probably feels this way because it is this way, but this feels like a game that was made 10 years ago. Yeah. 
And I'm sure it was. This game was written 10 years ago. A lot of the voiceover was done 10 years ago. So, it makes sense. And it really bums me out, is the biggest part. Right. Me too. I, I had I had as low expectations as I could possibly have, given that this is the final entry of my, one of my favorite games of all time. So, obviously, hard to like not be excited and not look forward to this. But... Given all the Kingdom Hearts that I've missed, how crazy off the rails the story has gotten, the fact that this has taken so long to develop, and even the trailers that we've seen of the gameplay not really like connecting with me in a huge way, I knew all of that coming into this game. And I'm still profoundly disappointed in what I have played so far. Yeah. And that says a lot of how little I like this game. Yeah, I have to believe that it gets better as it goes. Well, yeah. Because nothing's going to stop me from finishing it. I can't not play the entire game. And so, yes, I have to believe that it's going to get better because I don't want to sign on for not having fun for 50 more hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I will say the I'm not you know particularly partial to the movie Tangled, but all of the stuff that we're complaining about with the characterization and the flow of conversation, that is all better in the Tangled world. Good. I, I definitely well, maybe they, feel like all of that is better. And I think it maybe has to do with... Maybe they started in the beginning of the game 10 years ago. Yeah. And, like, each world has been, like, a year sooner and sooner and sooner. <laughs> which better, should mean better. at the end of it, like, they just made that last year. And so that'll be the best part of the game. Yeah. That, that's the best thing we can hope for, for sure. Uh, but it definitely feels a little tighter. Okay. Uh, a lot of that uh, storytelling. And the, and the voice acting is, in general, very, very well done. And the animation's really great. Um, yeah. I just I, I think there are parts of that particular world that are very tedious because it's like oh here's another you know grassy mountainous forest area that I'm in it's just a lot of that uh, which yes. is unfortunate but um, the boss battle for that area is really good but cool. like I, I don't know there's there are plenty of good things to say about Kingdom Hearts three there are just way more disappointing things. I don't even. I mean, and this. I'm not going to speak for you. I'm. I don't even think there are many great things you can say about Kingdom Hearts Three. Like there are a couple things that I think are okay about it, but there's nothing I personally can point to, and I'm like, yes, I really like this part of the game. So hopefully that changes. Yeah, but I'm not there yet. Me neither. What else? What else have you been playing? So hopefully another game that, that you came like. Out. The Resident mm-hmm. Evil Two remake. Well, technically, this Heck came out yeah. before last episode. I just hadn't had a chance to play it. Or no, had I played it last episode? Yeah, we talked about it. Okay. I think I just started it. Well, I beat Leon's campaign. A mm-hmm. campaign. Not B. Um, and I've been watching some other people play the other campaigns. Like, one of my friends was streaming uh, the Claire A campaign. Uh, now he's streaming the Leon B. So I've been watching that. I know okay. um, Resident Knievel, uh, Mary Kish, and Matt Mahardy from GameSpot. Well... Mary Kish, formerly of GameSpot, uh, Matt Mahardy of GameSpot, uh, they've been playing. Mary's been playing every single Resident Evil game, uh, mm-hmm. so she's played the original, original, original two, original three, Nemesis, and um, then she played four, five, six, uh, seven. She's played Code Veronica. She's played Zero. She's played Revelations one, not Revelations two, and now she's going back and playing the RE2 remake. Um, so I'm going to be watching that and I know Abby from giant bomb is playing Claire B campaign. I think maybe Claire a, 
um, on Giant Bomb. So watching plenty of people playing it, but mm-hmm. I like I beat Leon's campaign. I feel good about it. I'm probably going to take a step back for a little while and just kind of watch other people play it while I play other things. Um, I will. Why someday. is that? Just because it's like it's just more of the same type of thing, and like it's I know in every campaign. Mr. X is going to be there. He's going to give it to you. And yeah. uh, I'm just not up for that kind of tension immediately again. Right. I need like some space. I've seen a lot of really good Mr. X jokes and yeah. memes and gifs and stuff. Yeah. People are latching onto him in a way they did not when that game first came out. Yeah. Apparently, if you shoot his hat off, he no longer has his hat for the rest of the game. Um, it's pretty good. But, like, I never shot his hat off because I never shot him. I just tried to avoid mm-hmm. him. So he had his hat all the way up through the end. Um, but, yeah, lots of weird things about that game. Um, so playing that, well, done playing that for a short amount of time. And just still playing Seven Days to Die. Mm. So much. So much. I'm almost level 100 now. <laughs> and I just finished that really, really hard horde that comes on day 42. I think day 49 is the hardest one, and then it, the horde difficulty resets. Okay. Um, uh, so every, like, 49th day, because it's the 7th 7, uh, it gets harder. Mm-hmm. So because every 7 days a horde comes, and then every multiple of 7, the horde gets harder and harder until you hit that 7th 7 at 49. That's the hardest, and then it resets back down to the 7th day difficulty. Um, I have an amazing setup. I'm in the basement <laughs> of a home. Everything is concrete. Uh, there's only one upgrade tier past that concrete. Well, it's second tier concrete, and then it, oh it boy. becomes steel, forged steel blocks, which wow. are very expensive to make. Um, and I have... Iron bars, which you can shoot through, but takes the enemies like a while to break through. So I have mm-hmm. iron bars. I have a drawbridge first. Wow. <laughs> so like when I retract the drawbridge, they no longer have a path to me except to cross the small side bridge that I made uh, specifically for this purpose. And it is a murder death trap. I have nice. motorized spinning blades of death <laughs> on that. Uh, and then <laughs> instead of like a railing like you would have on a bridge, there are giant metal spikes. So if they mm. go to the sides to avoid the blade traps or they are spun into them by the blade traps, they still take damage from those and they don't fall off the edge. Uh, and then it eventually just leads them to the metal bars where I can just shoot the crap out of them. Um, so I've got a pretty good setup. Nice. Not going to lie. Um and so do you are, do you think you're reaching the end of Seven Days to Die? Because you go in these cycles of different survival games. Right. I don't know because at level 100, I learn the ability to craft the highest tier stuff. Okay. So once I'm level 100, I'm sure I will craft all the highest tier armor and tools and weapons and stuff. And then um, I really haven't explored that much of the map. So I would... I, Ideally, I'll craft the highest tier stuff, and then all I have is a bike right now. So maybe I'll make like a car, a sweet hmm. like zombie car with spikes and stuff. Maybe I'll make one of those and drive around and mess stuff up. I don't know. Figure nice. it out. That's cool. Yeah, seven days to die. It's really good, bad. <laughs> Well, the only other thing I've been playing, just because I've been so focused on Kingdom Hearts, I started and finished Gris, 
as I mentioned, the game everybody wanted us to talk about. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it was on Switch. It was fantastic. It, it really surprised because I, I basically knew nothing about the game other than it had this really nice kind of painted visual style and that people liked it. Like, that's literally all I knew about the game. I, I think maybe I assumed it was going to be like sort of like a journey type game where it was a little light on gameplay and more so about this emotional experience. But it's actually, I mean, it's kind of like a puzzle game, a little bit of platforming. It's not particularly hard. At the end, they introduce a lot of new mechanics where like, gravity changes and you're kind of using all the different elements that they've given you up to the up to a certain point so like in the beginning of the game you just walk and you jump and that's it and then you're able to do this like longer jump and then you're able to do um like a sort of fast fly thing where there's these little red birds where you can double jump into them and it kind of shoots you up high and there's an underwater level where you learn this like zoom underwater sort of thing that you can use because in the late game there are streams of water like waterfalls that you can kind of zoom up so at the end of the game as you would expect it kind of puts all these individual pieces together for you to solve puzzles but the biggest thing for me was one the visual style it's it's this awesome like if any if if anybody's seen banner saga it kind of looks like that a little bit where it's like very old school animation but also watercolor paints and the whole story, well, not story, but like the point of the game is you are this woman who has lost her voice. Like she used to sing and she has lost her voice and you're trying to help her get her voice back. And as part of the manifestation of that, all of the color has been drained from the world. Not like black and white, but it's this like taupe color brown in the beginning. And so each section you unlock a new color and that color adds elements to the world. And so when you unlock the blue color, that's when it brings back all the water. Okay. When you unlock the green color, the next section is in this forest. And each section has different gameplay elements. Like the forest introduces these trees that disappear and appear. And so you have to time your jumps on, in the right time. That It's all that kind of stuff. And it continues the same elements that it had before. And so you kind of go back to some early areas of the game later on. And they look completely different. Because now it has trees. Now it has the waterfalls and all that kind of stuff. So it's a really cool progression throughout the game. Um, it has a really awesome camera. So it's a two, it's 2D side to side. But it, there's this sense of scale that the camera creates where it will, like, zoom in and out, like, really, really far out at times where you're just, like, this little speck jumping and stuff. Okay. And that makes it feel a lot more alive and, like, um, just the scale of the world feels much greater than it would if it's just kind of a static camera. Uh, the puzzles are, are not, like I said, they're not super challenging except for, like, in the very end of the game. But they're all fun. Like, they all feel different in a way where you're using a different set of move. Like in the early one, you um, have this like dress cape that you wear and she can turn it into like a square where it becomes like stony. And so she can't be moved. And so there's a big wind. Like the it's the thing in Journey where you have the wind where you're going from um, uh, gravestone to gravestone, like hiding behind the wind. It's sort of like that at first, but then you get this move and then you can just rock as the wind is happening and then you can still progress. So okay. it's like, it makes you feel more and more powerful as you go. And I think the thing that I enjoyed the most about the story is that it's pretty up to interpretation. Like 
she gets, you know, her voice back and there's this beautiful song that she's singing at the end uh, as it's kind of like shows all of the world and all of the colors coming back together. And she kind of like ascends into the stars and that's the end of the game because you're also trying to put this like statue back together, this huge stone statue. And so she kind of like the stone statue lifts you up and you go, you're jumping on these stars to go up into the heavens or whatever. And there's just a lot of ways to interpret that of like, hey, is she dying and it's this acceptance or she's finally found her courage and now she's ready to like go back to the real world because she was in this kind of like dark, dank area. So there's just a, right. like you can attach your own personal um, feelings and uh, experiences onto the story, which is a really powerful thing. Um, yeah, it was just like it was a very surprising sort of like deep emotional experience I had playing the game. And like, it was one where this type of game, you might think, Oh, I'm going to play it for a half hour or oh, I'm going to play this level and be done. But like, I wanted to keep playing the whole time and I played it. I mean, it probably took me five hours ish to beat and I played it in two sit downs. Okay. That was it. Like I was that. And the only reason I stopped the first time is because it was like 1130 at night and I had to, I had to get off. But, um, yeah, man, I like, it was just a really surprising game for me because going in, I, I didn't know that much about it. And it's a great game on Switch. It, it looks so amazing and plays really well in handheld mode. So really highly recommend that one. Okay. So what else you got? What you been watching? So Kara and I are really big into those shows where it's like it's about like crazy architecture and homes and stuff. So we've been watching... Right. World's Most Extraordinary Homes. We watched that nice. a while ago, but they just added a couple new series. So we've been watching that. It's hosted by a couple of British people. Uh, one of them is a, a famous British actress. I don't remember what her name is. Um, and the other guy's an architect. And, and it's on Netflix, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, what's, what's an example? What's been one of the more crazy homes? So um, I, guess, I guess there was one in Spain. Spain, which was the episode we just watched, was kind of s- several different homes in Spain where they had it was kind of like in the middle of these like s- this like Spanish suburb, and it was just kind of like plopped in the middle of it. It's this huge like we it's a structure that looks like it was made out of giant um, poured concrete uh, like bridge I beams and like. Stuff like that, like, there's kind of also, like, a little kind of an element of, um, oh, what is that called? Um, where there's, it's a channel to move water uh, in and out of cities. There's, there are, there's oh. like, a famous one going into Rome where it's, like, a several-tiered right. one of different arches. Uh, yeah, and it can go up and down, the water can. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I can't think of it, um, but like there, there's like an element of that to it as well. It's just a really, really fascinating looking home where there's a, there's a pool in the on the bottom floor, and it's kind of this courtyard area that's ringed in by these like huge monolithic pieces of concrete, um, and then like all the walls of the house are glass, so you can like mm. see in. And then the second floor, the bedroom, directly off the bedroom at the window, there's this giant I-beam that comes out, and it's like a water channel. So it's like its own little private long pool that, like, goes all the way out. And at the end, there's a glass cap, and you can, like, see this, like, crazy view up above, like, all these mountains and everything. It's gorgeous. Um, cool. It's just, like, a really weird home. Like It's like they took, like, architecture from, like, something very um, function over form and just made it look very uh 
form over function almost hmm. like they took things that are made for construction purposes and made them uh artistic it's just like a really impressive it was impressive the way they did it there's just every home that they showcase there's something really crazy about it like there was another one where there was a um a fireplace which was just flat stone on the ground and just like the logs set like ground level and then okay. it was just this giant um freestanding uh piece of cast polished concrete and that was the flue to let the fire go up so it's like mm. there's just like this giant block of stone in the middle of this room uh like from waist height onto the ceiling but below mm. waist height there's just nothing there it's just flat floor so it's like this suspended giant concrete thing, which is the flue for the fireplace. Really That's interesting cool. stuff. That house was all about like hiding the um, like modern amenities, like the kitchen right. and all the other rooms. Every wall in the place was made out of um, untreated steel, so it would like weather and rust with age. So it kind of has that hmm. like dappled orange brown look. And you would just like push on these panels that were like kind of hidden in the hallway and like there would be rooms behind them and stuff like that. So it just looks like this empty hallway and then you just press a panel on the side and it opens into a room. And in one of the bedrooms, it's just like a stair and then just flat floor. There's nothing else, nothing on the walls and just a floor to ceiling window at the end where you can see out onto this field. And then if you turn around, you can pull the step out and the bed is in the step. Ah. And that's the only furniture in the whole room. It's just like a lot of like really weird stuff. Um, does it did it um have you seen any frank lloyd wright houses no they actually have they didn't do any of the frank lloyd wright houses i guess just because they're all so well maybe documented. too obvious yeah. yeah um because we've been to a couple of those yeah i know there was one in arizona that we went to that was like this huge complex with a bunch of cacti and then there was the falling yeah. water one yeah falling water i don't remember where that is but that one it had like a river running through yeah, the middle of waterfall the yeah and i think there's another one in new york maybe like in a museum that I went to, I don't, I don't remember. But there are a lot of really cool Frank Lloyd Wright houses. Yeah. But, like you said, it's probably too too well known to make sense for this kind Right. Of and they do a lot of stuff like from around the world. I think Frank Lloyd yeah. Wright was mostly in America, I think it's right? all in America. Yeah. I think so. They, they did one. They did like a couple things like down in Miami. There were some interesting homes. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, just really, really strange, strange stuff. There was one that was like for this dude's car collection and like it's on this giant hill you go in ground level in like this hangar where he has all of his cars and you take an elevator up it's the only way to get to the house up top Mm. and has all these really neat spaces so just really really fascinating stuff um so it's world's most extraordinary homes uh it makes me sad about my house and um (laughs) uh then uh, the wife and i started punisher season two so we've only watched the first few episodes but we did start that. Yeah, I need to. Um, I keep for, and it's just because I've been so like busy and exhausted. I haven't wanted to like start a new thing. I'm going to pay attention to, which we'll get to once I talk about my shows because there's not a lot of new stuff on there. But I keep seeing The Punisher when I go to Netflix, and I'm like, oh, I need to watch that, and I want to, but like not right now. So maybe this weekend I'll start it. It started pretty you, strong. How how many episodes are in the season? Do you know? I don't know. I think hmm. we've seen the first. Three, possibly just the first two. I can't remember. Uh, there's a lot of shit that happens pretty nice. quickly. I, I will I already, say, like, 
because you know Jigsaw's in it. Like, yeah, I was just gonna say like that's a little annoying that they spoiled that like immediately with the promotion of it. I will say I don't give two flying fucks about what they're doing with that character right now. It's okay. Has been supremely stupid so far. Um, That's disappointing. Yeah. But well, well, they haven't canceled it yet, have they? (laughs) I don't know that. Yeah, I guess they haven't said that yet. It'll be coming. <laughs> yeah, it's around the corner. So what about you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, not really anything new. So watch some Kitchen Nightmares. I've been watching some of the revisited episodes where, like, he'll go back to a lot of the ones he's fixed a year or so later to check in. Okay. And it's really funny because um, almost all of them that he goes back and visits are doing better. But... If you there's like a website that my wife loves that it's like it's like a where are they now kitchen nightmare sort of thing where it's like what's currently going on with the restaurant the vast majority of them closed like and a lot of them closed a couple months after the revisited so like I don't know if they're lying about doing better or they were only doing better because of the publicity from the show and then once that's gone it tanks right but it's just like again the show is about entertainment not about actually improving people's lives. Maybe Gordon Ramsay thinks he's improving people's lives. I don't know. He probably doesn't really care. But it's just funny to look at it and say, yeah, these are... Almost none of them succeed. (laughs) Even after he goes in and buys them all new decor and a brand new chef and new instruments and all that kind of stuff. And they still fail. Uh, There's one crazy story that my wife found, which this is actually kind of dark. But there's one episode where... They go into a revisited like nine months after, and of course he's doing much better. They gave him like an especial award from the city. I think it's in New Jersey or New York or somewhere, just to like say, "Hey, congrats on the success." And then like a couple of months after that, he got busted for taking cocaine at work. Oh, jeez. And then shortly after that, he sold the restaurant. Which, it was still doing well at that time. He sold the restaurant. And then just a few days after he sold the restaurant, he committed suicide. So, like, he got busted for doing cocaine, sold his restaurant, and then killed himself. Leaving behind his wife and, like, two or three little kids. And then after that, after he killed himself, a chick who worked there, who was a waitress, and then got promoted to, to pastry chef, made this Facebook post about, like, hey... We had something special. I'll always love you, baby. I'll see you someday again. Where everybody's like, he was cheating on his... Like, he was having an affair with this chick. So it's just like... That's where it's like, oh, this is real life. These are actual people where he was doing drugs and cheating on his wife. And then he sold his restaurant and killed himself. Kitchen nightmares. <laughs> that is I don't a think nightmare. They're gonna be doing, I don't think they're going to be doing re-revisited on that particular place. Probably uh, not. So, yeah. Um, and then still watching Scrubs. I finished the season finale, and it's quite good. I think, and I, this was just like two days ago, I think I've decided I'm not going to watch season nine right now because I know I don't like it, and it, I was only doing it because I wanted to watch the whole thing because that's my whole th- whatever. That's who I am. But... The finale of that show is so fantastic that in season nine just like undoes everything because all the characters come back and like, like that was the goodbye. That was the goodbye to JD and Elliot and Turk and all everybody. And then they bring them all back again and it's like really undermines the whole emotional highs of that. So I might, we've been watching The Office a lot because um, we didn't have cable 
or internet, and so we were watching DVDs, and we were, we've been watching a lot of The Office while we were packing and stuff like that. So I might watch through The Office. We're in like season five right now. But the biggest thing we started watching, because we had it on DVD, was Arrested Development. It's been a really long time since I watched through Arrested Development. Yeah. That show's fucking funny, man. And it is so weird and wacky and brilliant. It's amazing. And I'm like now thinking about all like how crazy it gets even going forward because like they just introduced Anyang. We're still in season one, so that's just like a funny little thing with the the Korean kid who everyone thinks his name is Anyang, but Anyang is actually hello in Korean. So every time they say hey Anyang, he goes Anyang because he's saying hello back. It's quite funny, <laughs> and just a lot of like subtle humor to the show, like really off the wall humor. But then it gets even wackier with like. Um, Jeffrey Tambor, the dad, his character, like, introducing his twin brother, who, like, they do a, a swap where he's having an affair with the wife. It's, that show is bonkers, and it's quite amazing. Um, yeah, that's kind of all I've been watching, though. Nothing really new. Uh, so, anything else before we dive into news? I finished reading the Night Angel trilogy. Nice. I've done it. And there, I found out there was a little one-off novella uh, that was, okay. like, a, a prequel as one of like the major characters um that you never get his it's never written from his perspective in the trilogy Mm. uh, but he's like a mentor for the main character Mm -hmm. um there's a prequel novella starring him so i bought that and i finished that in like two days at work because it was only like 100 pages um and now i don't know what to do (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, you don't have any other books on your shelf i have so many but i don't know which one i want to do yeah um i don't know i have a trilogy by mark lawrence that i could start all right i also have a one-off book by brandon sanderson that's more of like a contemporary story about a person with like multiple personalities i don't know but I could just wait a couple days because apparently I found out there's a graphic novel of the first book of the Night Angel trilogy. Hmm. So I bought it and it's on its nice. way right now. So maybe well, I'll go. just that read sounds that. sounds like what you should do. <laughs> yeah. So, and this was a relatively old trilogy, right? You said it was like 10 years old? Yeah, the version I got was the 10th anniversary edition. Um, so so there's n- no sense that like it's going to continue? He, it is. Um, oh. He has said that he worked on that little novella because there was like he wanted to experiment with the short story format and then it actually turned into a novella because it was longer than a short story um but he said he's not doing any more of those because he wants to work on the next big um novel Mm -hmm. which presumably will be in that same universe cool and what's the author brent weeks Night Angel Trilogy, just in case. You talked about it several times, so in case people want to check it out. Yeah, man. It like He, he goes out of his way. I need to read all my books. Yeah, he, he goes out of his way to set up a lot of the world um, in maybe a... I don't want to say it's clumsy, but he does do a lot of expository... Uh, there's a lot of exposition... <laughs> let's just say that uh and it's like a lot of just like mentioning the names of things and then nothing else about them so he mm-hmm. has all of these things where clearly he knows what they are but i'm interested to find out more about 
that kind of background stuff. Like, oh yeah, then that name ha- had been mentioned a couple times in the other trilogy. So, you know, maybe it takes place during this time and all that kind of stuff. So, I don't know. We'll right. see. Cool. Uh, so what do you say we jump into some news? We have you a lot. actually did me a, a huge favor this morning because I was setting up the computer and you pulled the news. Um, so if so I missed I'm anything, sure... it's my fault. Well, I was going to say more that you're trying to outdo me when it comes to like the structure and uh, the flow of everything. But I'm going to take you, I'm going to give you the lead on the news this episode right. and then I'll be like the color commentator. Woo! So I can just have the little sarcastic interjections that you normally would have. Yeah, and then uh, give give me the faces I normally give you that doesn't play well right. in an audio format. Right, exactly. Yeah. So that we just have like dead air, yeah, like a couple <laughs> seconds. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm good at this. All right. Um, so just a couple little things to kind of get out of the way. A uh, couple of uh, that's how you always want to start the news section. Let's talk about the least important things first. Well, not that they're the least important. They are just uh, their own little. It's their own little category, early access releases. All right. So a couple okay. of things have come out in early access since last episode. Things okay. that are worth mentioning. Because there's, I'm sure there's been a buttload of stuff released in early access in the past couple of weeks. But most of it's hot trash garbage. So here's Some a might say good- every game that releases <laughs> is in early access these days. Yeah. Um, which we'll get to. Yeah. So recently, Subnautica had their full release. Their like 1.0. Um, mm-hmm. and that is a game that had been in development for like three years, something like that in early access for like three years, uh, development for longer. Um, and it finally got a full release. And so people were kind of like, okay, so what's next? Right. Well, they released an early access, uh, Subnautica below zero, which is, um, it's all about, if you can't tell by the name, uh, it takes place on, I believe the same planet. I don't know about the timeline of things, though, um, but it's, like, two sisters. You are one sister, and your other sister's, like, up on a space station, uh, and you're, like, a researcher on the ground. Um, And it's in, like, the their version of an Antarctic. Uh, So it's, like, a lot of frozen tundras, and it seems like there's a bigger focus on doing things above the water level, um, or they have just more things to do, because... With the original Subnautica, they released an update that had islands, and that's what kind of had a lot of the story content. Was like mm-hmm. after you go to the ship, uh, you go to the island, and then you discover like there's this whole big alien race uh, sub story going on. Um, and this seems like to continue some of that stuff and have like more answers about that civilization that was there before. Um, all new types of flora and fauna because it's like, you know the arctic and not more like tropical like it was uh, in the first right. game um it seems like instead of areas that are like high radiation you have like high levels of cold or low levels of cold i guess you could say um probably also dealing with a lot of similar like depth things where like you have to get an upgraded suit in order to go deeper just like the first game um but because of all the cold and the new types of flora and fauna there are new gadgets and new um, materials and, and and different things that you're going to be going to be doing. I, I'm assuming it's a pretty similar loop to the original game. Uh, this one, what I've seen so far, seems to have more story than the original did, though. Like a lot of chatter between you and your sister. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and like I said, that is out now in early access on Steam. So it looks pretty dope. I watched the little gameplay trailer thing that's yeah. linked um, the Game Informer article, which 
as always, we'll have the show notes of this on shadeseverything.com with all the links to all the news stories. But the the video that I watched, like it looked pretty awesome. And I I know you really love Subnautica when you're playing it on PC, and it came out in the whatever game preview program on Xbox. And yeah. It's out there, still not out on PS4. When it does release, I'm like 100% gonna play it. It looks really really cool. Like I'm not a huge survival game person. Minecraft has been like the only survival game ish game that i've really connected to but this just looks really really cool and yeah. the below zero like all the new creatures and stuff like they have they're like lookalikes to a lot of real life creatures so there's like a penguin looking thing yeah. there's a big whale like the some kind of underwater serpent thing like just a lot of really cool looking stuff yeah they i, I really think the design in the in subnautica is really strong um yeah the biggest thing about the first subnautica was when you get really low and it's uh, like or really deep rather and like the light stops being able Oof. to filter that far and it's like really dark and creepy and there's like a lot of freaky sounds and stuff that game becomes yeah. like a horror game at a certain point that that maybe isn't my vibe right uh <laughs> it gets it that game really freaked me out uh yeah. in a lot of those lower uh lower depths so i'm assuming this game will have similar things uh, an added uh an added thing that kind of builds tension is it's until you get closer to the surface in this, it's not always clear whether or not there's a layer of ice over your head. Because the whole thing is mm-hmm. like you have an oxygen level that you have to surface to regenerate. Um, mm-hmm. Or there are su- there are certain animals that uh, you can kind of replenish your oxygen from uh, underneath the water. But like in the first Subnautica, it was just like make it to the surface and now it's like make it to the surface but make sure there's a surface there and it's not ice yeah. so yeah. there's kind of like an added element of tension and like being aware of your surroundings uh, that i think is kind of interesting um so yeah below zero it's out uh, another early access game uh seems to be a sort of spiritual successor to shadow of the colossus uh it is called pray for the gods p-r-a-e-y um, yeah. because originally their name was Prey, P-R-E-Y, for the gods, and Arcane got a little upset, because, like, hey, we just made a game called Prey. You can't have Prey in your name! Which is stupid, but I... It's litigation, whatever. Yeah. It's a copyright, stupid thing. Protecting their intellectual property. I yeah. get it. I mean... I don't think this is this isn't the first time Bethesda has done this. No, I, didn't Bethesda they go after Mojang for the Scrolls trademark? Oh, yeah, trademark. Sure. So, yeah. Um, yeah, the, Bethesda has a... Historically uh, litigious publisher. Yes, for sure. Um, so they had to change the spelling. Apparently, they have not changed the spelling on the title screen of the game, only the Steam page. So the image of the title good. screen is still P-R-E-Y. Um, nice. Which, I, I don't know if they're even going to change it. Because the whole thing <laughs> about the name is that it's a play on the words. Like, you pray, right. hands together, dear God, for the gods, but... Pray, P-R-E-Y, you are hunted by the gods. You are prey for the gods. Um, Thanks for explaining that. Yep. Just making sure <laughs> people know. So by adding an A, it kind of takes away from some of the yeah. double meaning. And makes it a weird word. Right. Um, it is really unabashedly a ripoff of Shadow of the Colossus. Like, the way your stamina meter looks, it's a ring around your health circle. Uh, mm-hmm. And... Like, your stamina slowly drains in that ring, and you're clinging to these giant um, titan-like creatures and trying to climb up to them to find the spot where you can hurt them. Um, It's very, very similar. It has, uh, like, there are weapons. 
Uh, yeah, I know in Shadow of the Colossus, like, like you had your sword to fight the Colossi with, and the bow. And your bow. So this yeah. has a bow and a sword, but there's also like a grappling hook and some other and stuff. and some kind of gun. Like she shoots, and to me, yes, they're definitely the main mechanic of the boss fights. Feels very similar to Shadow yeah. of the Colossus, but it looks like there's more going on in the gaps between. Yes, because that was part of the thing about Shadow is like. All you are doing is yes, and then the you know that's part of part of the charm and the intrigue of the game was just taking really long rides on your horse in between, like that was part of the world building. But this, it didn't really show a ton of like combat, combat, but like when she's walking, these creatures like come out of the ground, and it looked like she was getting ready to fight them. And so my assumption is that there's more to do in between the big monster fights. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I that seems like how they're differentiating it from just being. A rip-off of F Shadow of the Colossus. Right. And apparently it's just a game with uh, three developers. So three people made it. Oh, wow. It, um, which it I, looks great. Yeah. I like the look of it. Yeah. It lo- it's like Shadow of the Colossus with winter. Right. How yeah. It it's all very snowy mountains. And then yeah. the snow tech is actually really impressive. Like, as a character walks mm. through the snow drifts, the trail it leads behind. Leaves behind. Yeah. Um, some of that snow tech. Yeah. I love good snow tech. Um so yeah, that's also out now in early access on Steam. Uh, mm-hmm. Change of a title screen to title screen to be determined. Um, so just a couple little things that I felt worth mentioning because they look very interesting, and they are sure. they are in line with your and my interests and in, when it comes to games. Um, so next up, we kind of have a series of gosh, like. Studio closures, people changing studios, a lot of shifting and moving in the industry. I mean, it's an ever-changing yeah. landscape, but I feel like there are more big stories uh, in the last couple of weeks than there have been in a while. Um, Not all of them are bad, though. No, There's also no. some like new studios and stuff yeah. in here. So. But it's just but yeah. like, a vastly and quickly changing landscape. So last right. week, uh, last episode, we talked about how Machinima was being purchased uh, by Otter Media. Uh, and potentially being kind of folded into the Otter Media's full screen, um, and how they had deleted all of their yes, videos from their YouTube every channel. Every single Machinima video was deleted yeah. from the YouTube channel. Um, so they weren't, in fact, purchased by Otter Media, and eighty-one of their employees at Machinima were laid off as part of the transition. Um, yep, which I think is a big chunk of their employee base. Um, I thought it. I thought it was basically everybody. Yeah, like their their CEO or whatever of Machinima is still with the company because she's helping with the transition. But the press release they put out says she's actively looking for otherwise employment. Employment. Right. So uh, my understanding was like everybody's gone from Machinima. It no longer exists, which is crazy. Like they bought the company and then just like booted everyone else out the door. That's pretty nuts. Um, but you know that that happens uh, with. You know, not just in the game. It doesn't happen in the games industry very often. Uh, But, I mean, I guess this is games industry adjacent. This is more entertainment industry. Uh, I don't know how often that sort of thing happens there. But I know in the business industry, that happens quite often where mergers will happen and large uh, percentages of staff will be laid off. Um, So, sorry to those 81 people. Hopefully they are able to find work somewhere. Um, I know when, uh, unless one of them is like an asshole. Yeah. Then like, Hey, maybe like find another job and like be a better person, like fi- yeah. find something that's good for you and then have like a moment of growth. 
Right. Uh, I'm not just going to like arbitrarily say like, oh, best wishes to everybody affected because like that's fair. Maybe one of those people is like a racist that beats his wife. Like, no, I don't have best wishes for that. That prick. Man, you and I really have switched roles today. This is weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so another unfortunate story of layoffs. Uh, it is reported. This has not happened yet. Uh, it has not been officially announced, but it is reported that there will be massive layoffs at Activision Blizzard. Uh, resulting in hundreds of jobs lost. So yeah. it looks like uh, last time it was tallied, there were like 9,800-some people working at Activision Blizzard. and It's uh, a big company. Yeah, huge company. Well, at Activision. At Activision. Um, and uh, so to lose hundreds of those jobs, that's a, a large chunk of people. A lot of people put out on the streets. Um, and the official statement is expected to come on Tuesday, so the day after this goes up. Uh, so kind of keep your ears open for that. This is likely due to several different factors. Um, the split from Bungie being one of them, right? Like Activision and Bungie just split, so Bungie could take over sole development of Destiny and kind of take it in their own mm-hmm. direction. Um, uh, also, while Bungie was with Activision, Forsaken, Destiny Forsaken, did not perform as well as they wanted it to. So revenue right. was down from that. Um, and then revenue from games like Overwatch, the games as a service titles, uh, it's kind of, it's been static. It's not growing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not necessarily falling, but it's, you know, overall pretty static, um, which is worried, has worried some of their investors, uh, and their, their, their stock has just weakened slightly. Even uh, with Call of Duty and like Black Ops Four has done well, I don't know how it sits yeah. comparison to recent Just Call of diminishing Duty games, returns. Like yeah, for like the last five years, Call of Duty still does very well, but it hasn't done as well as like Modern Warfare Two and the original Black Ops did. It's been they Call of Duty has been down for several years at this point. Right. Um. So you know, unfortunately, a lot of people will be affected by this. Um. And you know, who knows what this means for games in development or games as a service that are currently ongoing uh you know that just the way that all shakes out remains to be seen but speaking well interesting as well because i mean last episode we talked about the creative director at cg cd project red joining um blizzard was it blizzard or was it just active i don't know but the the scuttlebutt was he was going to be leading the team working on diablo 4 and so like just interesting that you would think they'd be hiring new people and focusing on that project and now specifically blizzard potentially is laying off hundreds of people that just is a weird shift for them to make well i think the timing of it lines up where it it, clearly they are reorganizing some things internally quite a few things internally yes so maybe the acquisition of him is in line with that um kind of wheat from the chaff so to speak um but it's a weird thing and i mean this is it's it's my experience but like in the corporate world I've been in a unique scenario where, like, I'm usually the only person doing my job. So, like, you know, like, I'm not a part of 10 people who are all content writers. Right. I'm the content writer. Or I guess at when I, one of my jobs, there were two of us. But, like, they wouldn't lay off me because I'm the only person doing that job. So, it's just weird to imagine a scenario where I'm one of 56 developers on this team where any of us could be let go at any time because you might only need 55 developers right like i'm a i'm the customer marketer at terminus that's my new job 
I'm the only customer marketer. They hired me because they needed someone to do customer marketing. They're not just going to be like, oh, we changed our minds. We don't need to do this anymore at all. <laughs> right. Like that at least gives me some job security. Right. For sure. Um, so talked about kind of diminishing returns of Call of Duty. Um, uh, former Sledgehammer founder, um, uh, Michael Condry. So about a year ago. Two of Sledgehammer's founders, Glenn Schofield and Michael Condry, announced they were leaving the Call of Duty development cycle to work at other parts of Activision, like in right. other capacities at Activision. Um, they were going to kind of oversee a, a larger stable of games than right. just their specific Call of Duty game. Like, they weren't even going to just be overseeing Call of Duty. They were going to be much broader. And these two guys, like, the reason they started Sledgehammer to work on the Call of Duty series, they originally were co-creators of Dead Space. So, like, right. they have a pretty good track record of making quality games. Right. And I think they kind of got out of Visceral at the right time. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> uh, so they kind of dodged a bullet there. Um, then, Schofield said... Hey, I'm leaving Activision, um, but we hadn't really heard from Condry, and now we have. Mm -hmm. So apparently, Con so Schofield's out. Not sure what what he's going to be doing, but Condry has announced that he's heading to Take Two. So Take Two is owned by 2K Games, um, mm -hmm. and Take Two Take Two has worked on like the Grand Theft Auto games, the Bioshock games, Mafia games, Civ games, Borderlands. Like they worked on a ton of high profile um, franchises, like franchise yep. uh, games. Um, so he uh, has joined Take-Two on an unannounced project with a new studio. So presumably he will be involved in the upper management or heading a new studio at Take-Two. Um, you put a note in here in all caps that is yeah. Bioshock. <laughs> I mean, look at the guy's experience, yeah. right? He is one of the original producers on Dead Space, a horror shooter. And then he went to work on the Call of Duty series, a first-person shooter. What is a first-person shooter series that has horror elements and a lot of, like, world-building the way that Dead Space did? Yep. It's Bioshock. <laughs> I, like, I want to say yes. Because, I mean, A, I would be totally awesome. That, that would be awesome. I'd be very okay with that. But, B, like, I, I want to say, like, they've already been working on that for a while. But maybe just yes. conceptually. True. True. I mean, and they've they've kind of talked around Bioshock a lot. Like they keep referencing a certain series that yeah. people love that's been dormant for a while. Like they've made mention of that the last couple of years. So yes, certainly possible that they're already working on the next Bioshock game. That doesn't mean that they couldn't use a new lead voice right. of that game or that things weren't coming along the way they wanted it to, as we're about to hear a lot when we talk about the EA section, yeah. like where they needed a new creative voice to come in and redirect the series. So anything that, I mean, I shouldn't say anything. It's not like Michael Condry is like the greatest game developer of all time, but he's worked on quality games and I, I could, any new game, like I could be excited about any new game if it's done with quality. So even if it's not Bioshock, I'm interested to see what this is going to be. If it's a new IP, that'd be even more exciting than a sequel. Yeah. But a new Bioshock seems to fit, given this guy's experience. Yeah, and I think um, in a lot of ways, Prey 2017 uh, was kind of brazenly aping off of their formula. Um, sure. But also improving on it in a lot of aspects. 
And so it would be interesting to see what a new Bioshock game would look like in a world where Prey 2017 was relatively successful and w- reviewed well. Um, yeah, see if I they mean, take it any gets lessons comp- from them. It gets complicated. I mean, there were a lot of elements about Prey I did not enjoy. I didn't think that the slow-paced shooting meshed well with the fast-paced enemies, just inherently. Yeah. So I didn't enjoy the combat. That's just me. The larger thing is, like, it not being a Ken Levine joint. I think, even from me, Bioshock 2 got a lot of undue hate because it was a disappointing sequel to one of the best games ever made. My favorite game ever made. So obviously I was going to not be super excited about it. I think it's a much better game than a lot of people give it credit for. I agree, credit for. yeah. Um, but it was clear that it lacked the singular vision that Ken Levine had for both Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. A lot of people didn't like Infinite for several different reasons. I get it. But I thought it was it, it felt like the, the true sequel to the original Bioshock. Yeah. So him not being involved, it's hard to imagine that what this will be, I, I guess is how I would put it. Right, yeah. Um. But if this is a sci-fi first-person shooter and, sorry, what was the name? Condry has worked mm-hmm. on a sci-fi horror game. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. How to make stuff creepy in space. He knows how to do sure. that. Yeah. Um. So, you know, he, working with a new studio at Take-Two. Um, another new studio, uh, former Telltale Ubisoft developers have... Uh, split off from Ubisoft and are starting a new studio. So when the whole Telltale debacle happened, when they went belly up, Ubisoft hired several of their developers, um, and apparently three of them are now departing Ubisoft and starting their own studio. Uh, They're going to be called Ad Hoc. Um, And when they were interviewed about it, one of them was speaking about how the pitch process in a large company like Ubisoft is a bit of a mess. Uh, right, because I said, "Hey, when you have a great idea, getting fifty other people to be on board with that great idea, not always the easiest thing, and your vision doesn't always come yeah. out intact. Um, it gets watered down just inherently. Like, right, it, it, it can't not get watered down. Which to go back to my personal experience of television, that's why you see shows on Fox, ABC, NBC, CBS being generic ass bullshit. Yep, because there are a million people that want their voices to be heard in the creative process, so every show becomes the same." Yep. And while networks like HBO and Netflix let singular-minded creators make the shit that they're passionate about, and the quality's better. It's like a crazy concept. <laughs> you couldn't possibly imagine it. Yeah. So the uh, these few people um, clearly have an idea that they're passionate about um, that someone at Ubisoft was not, or some people at Ubisoft were not, at least not right. the same way. That they were, um, they didn't have the same, didn't share the vision. So they're starting their own studio called Ad Hoc, and they did mention that Bandersnatch was an inspiration because they they want to focus on interactive narrative experiences, which yeah. Telltale was obviously, uh, uh, that was their big gimmick, and then yeah, it would be interested to see more things like Bandersnatch, which is even less of a game. Uh, right. than even the Telltale games were. So that's just kind of blurring the line between the medias in an, inter- in an interesting way. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, you have to keep our cool. eye on them. Um, lastly, in kind of this changing landscape, uh, a game that I'm excited about. So Grand Blue Fantasy Relink. It's an anime game. 
normally anime games are hot garbage. <laughs> um, but I really, really liked the show that I've seen. Apparently, I didn't realize this, but there's a popular mobile game for it in Japan, uh, as well as the manga and the anime. Um, they have recently announced a new fighting game in the series, but the big thing that I'm really excited about is the RPG for... It's supposed to be coming out on PS4. They okay. were working... Uh, the developer uh, of this game is Psy Games, CY Games, and they were working with Platinum Games, which mm-hmm. is why my interest was initially piqued because you know platinum developers of like vanquish and near automata bayonetta like all those like really solid not quite slightly above b tier uh third person character action games um just like a lot of like really good frenetic combat uh in those yeah like the legend of Korra game that thing was awesome okay um (laughs) no i know the three that i listed yes there 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 have clear there's clearly been an a platinum team and a b platinum team and you can judge that what it's going to be like depending on who is making it yeah um so they were working with platinum games but apparently psy games chose not to renew their development contract with platinum games so either things were not going the way they wanted them to, uh, and they mm-hmm. wanted to have a, a shift, but they said like they're just gonna finish the game on their own, which I don't know what that's all about. But yeah. uh, that's kind of all that they said. And Platinum released a similar statement that was just saying, "Yeah, they didn't renew the contract, right? So oh, well. like development <laughs> on it will continue, but it'll be all theirs." Yeah. So just kind of a weird thing, like and like no buzz or rumors about what might have caused that separation but the bummer of it is i mean this is obviously a project that would be bigger in japan than it would be in the u.s just because of the the source material but this was a big project for platinum games yeah and i mean they're still working on bayonetta 3 they're working on that um babylon's fall is that what it's called yep on um that is with square enix i think um that was revealed at the Sony press conference or Nintendo press conference? I don't remember. But they have some other games in the pipe, but you never want to see a talented studio lose a project. Yeah. So. It just makes me wonder what happened. Um, so yeah. maybe in the coming days or weeks, we'll hear a little bit more buzz about that. But um, yeah. So that's kind of like the majority of the changing landscape uh, in terms of people shifting and new studios, other things closing. Yada yada. Um, so, all right. Electronic Arts, EA, as many people know them, in layman's terms, EA. Mm-hmm. Um, they Most commonly known as repeat winner of most hated company in America. Correct. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there's a trophy with that on it somewhere in their office. <laughs> it's basically a two-horse race between EA and Comcast just about every year. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, GameStop, close third. Um, right. So EA uh, came out and had a statement about Battlefield Five and said it did not meet their sales expectations. Um, so Andrew Despite Wilson. Despite selling 7 million copies. Yes. So CEO Andrew Wilson, uh, the nicest supervillain you will ever meet. Um, that dude is one of the best dressed <laughs> video game executives. Yeah. I look forward to seeing what he's wearing every year at E3. And this year, I think it was disappointing. It was just like a sweater and some jeans. Yeah. He usually has like a really nice jacket or some like cool shoes. Yeah. I'm waiting anyway. for the cape. Um, 
<laughs> so <laughs> he'll grow a mustache for next year. Yeah. A nice twirly one. Yeah. He just his those eyebrows, man. It yeah, makes me yeah. feel like he's up to something nefarious. Uh <laughs> gonna tie me to a railroad track. Um so he announced that Battlefield Five misses sales expectations. Uh, he cited like contributing factors like the month long delay because originally it was supposed to come out a month beforehand, and then it got pushed in November, yeah. which was the busy holiday season. Um, and he also uh, cited the prioritizing their single player instead of their battle royale mode, which is probably true for me personally. The single player is why I bought the game, so they got my sale based on that. But um, uh. You know, I, I guess that that makes sense. I mean, I, I, if they had rolled out that battle royale mode with the game, it probably would have sold better. Um, but as of yet, what, they still have not rolled out that battle royale mode, which is crazy. what I would argue. Rather than oh, we spent too much time on the single player mode, which is a really bullshit excuse because it's not like it had this super robust story campaign. Right. It had a bunch of little vignettes. That, you know, like you mentioned, are improved versions of what was in Battlefield 1. But it's not like that was the main core of the game. And that's just this whole, like, oh, single-player games are dead thing that a lot of these big studios take. Which is constantly disproven by the success of games like God of War and Spider-Man and Red Dead Redemption 2. Like, fuck off with your multiplayer bullshit argument. The bigger thing for me is, like... This probably failed for two reasons. One, you're trying to put too much shit in this game. Too many different modes. Which, number two, is a cause of this. Or an effect of this, rather. That the game launched without some of the biggest things that people wanted. Right. Like the Battle Royale mode. And there's another story here, Kyle, that we were going to talk through. Like, their combined arms, which is their their co-op mode. Spec Ops co-op mode is coming soon. I'll play that. Yeah, but we're, we're your 10 million dollar prospective audience were they asking for small co-op missions like me i highly doubt it I was. okay one person but my point is <laughs> if your argument is competitive multiplayer and battle royale those are the core tenets to our game it isn't that you quote unquote spent too much time on single player it's that you tried to do too many things look at call of duty black ops 4 everyone was all up in arms when they cut the single player mode which has always been better than the core battlefield modes because it has more bombast and more fun action than Battlefield has because it's taken itself too seriously. Right, and that's why they... I'm pretty sure that has to be why they were so adamant on having a single player is because Call, of Duty, Call of Duty wasn't. Yeah, they thought that was going to be a differentiator when they should know their audience better than that. That's not a differentiator... The single-player mode in Battlefield has been far more forgettable than the single-player mode in Call of Duty. And if Call of Duty can come out and be that successful with just multiplayer, zombies, and and the Blackout Battle Royale mode... Like, their strategy of Battlefield Five was bad. And this is just purely CEO speak, where he's passing the buck and saying like, Oh, we did too much of this other thing, or whatever. Like, no. From the get-go, you were thinking incorrectly. And you are playing catch-up with your Battle Royale mode, which is why it's not ready. That was not a core tenant of the game. They added it after the success of PUBG and then Fortnite. Like, this game was doomed from the start, which is the whole reason it was delayed in the first place. Because they were trying to fit all these other unfinished pieces into the game, which they weren't even able to do. So these huge core tenants of their product are being released months after the game launches. Of course it's not going to have sold as well as you anticipated. If you're launching half of a game, game you're going to get half as many people that are interested. It's just completely, it's a completely absurd 
argument and trying to like, oh, it's just because people don't care about single player modes. Like, no, it fucking isn't, dude. I just that makes me so angry. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the combined arms co-op is coming this week. So I'm glad you're excited about. I it. I am. Do you have someone to play with? Uh, no. I'll be playing with <laughs> with randoms, I guess. Um, four maps, each have their own type of mission. Um, not much else is known about it, though. Yeah. So who knows? Um, and then battle royale mode is due out in March. So. And aren't they still going to be releasing more single player content? Uh, so they did that fifth one. That released okay. like a little bit. That ago. already released. Yeah, that was um, okay. where you play as I think the Germans, and it's like a tank. Thing. And that just goes back to my point. Like it's 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 either a complete misunderstanding of what your audience wants, or it's a doubling down on we can do everything, or a combination of both. Yeah. And either one of those is a really bad way to make a game. And if it's both, that only makes it that much worse. Right. Battlefield Five was doomed from the get go because they tried to do way too much stuff. Yeah, like it should have launched with their multiplayer and their battle royale, and then I mean, as much as this would have hurt me, and then use those funds to create the single player campaign and this combined arms as a way of getting new people to purchase it, like new people or to cut get in. one of those things, or don't do a single player mode, or don't do a combined arms mode. Like something needs to give somewhere, otherwise you're putting out a hat. All the stuff that is in the game isn't as good as it could be. And the game that you're launching is missing huge portions of itself. Yeah. Like that's the worst of both worlds because they spread themselves too thin. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, EA, um, speaking of EA, Disney has said that it has a in quotes, good relationship with EA. Uh, and that they still prefer to license their games rather than publish them. Which, that part I get. Like, you do not have the kind of financial risk if you are licensing a game instead of developing a game or publishing yeah. it. Um, but I cannot believe they have a good relationship with EA. This is a classic case of a boyfriend and girlfriend... The boyfriend is unhappy, and some one like a friend of hers asks him, like, hey, how's your relationship going? And she is like around the corner behind her locker looking at him, and he knows it. And so he's like, Yeah, we have a good relationship. <laughs> That's what this is. Disney is like, in a sense, under hostage by this. And and the core part of it is like EA has a 10-year exclusivity de- deal with Disney. Disney is probably the biggest company on the fucking planet so if they wanted to find a way to buy themselves out or get out of this i'm sure they could but it doesn't really serve them to do that at this point so they're halfway through this 10 this 10 year exclusivity deal it doesn't really serve them to say like oh yeah ea hasn't been doing its job company that still has five years of access to our properties like of course they need to stand behind ea and look like a partnership and then after this exclusivity deal is over peace out guarantee you they will not be renewing it or extending it unless things have like like, dramatically changed 
Right. Which at this point, I have very little faith that it will because Same. EA keeps fucking up Star Wars. Like, look at so they've had they've had this exclusivity deal for ten or for five years at this point. The first thing that they released with this was the Old Republic MMO, which was in the works before the deal even happened. So you can't really attribute that part of it to this exclusivity deal. Which, when it launched, it wasn't awesome, but people, you know, it had its audience. But it's really grown and improved over time, and it's become a really popular, successful MMO. So I'll give them that. You want to know the other three Star Wars games they've put out in five years of this? Battlefront 1, hot piece of shit garbage. Battlefront 2, even hotter piece of shit garbage somehow. Didn't think it was possible, and they certainly found a way. 10x shittier. And uh, whatever it's called, Star Wars Galaxy of Heroes, which yeah. is their mobile game. Which I'm sure which, makes a shit ton yeah, of money sure, because people that like, play mobile games are idiots. Yeah, they make but tons like, of money. So like, that's all they've put out with this deal. So the whole original Project Ragtag that Visceral and Amy Hennig were working on, that got canceled, and then they shut down Visceral. That game was handed over fully to EA Motive, who was helping originally with the game, the studio that was led by Jade Raymond. They started redeveloping it into an open-world game, and then they teamed up with EA Vancouver, who eventually they merged with to become one studio. Jade Raymond then left this that studio last year, and then now they've canceled that version of the game. So they've canceled this game twice. Yeah, and even before it was Project Ragtag, Ragtag at Visceral, it was Star Wars thirteen thirteen. The thirteen thirteen, yes, which you're was right. Canceled. Even before, yes. So they've canceled this game three times. Yeah. <laughs> Oy vey. So at this point. As part of this earnings call, because that's why we have all these news pieces, is all these companies have had their quarterly earnings calls. So as part of the earnings call, they said, hey, Jedi Fallen Order, the Respawn game, is still in the works. It's still on track to come out in 2019. I'm kind of at a point where I'm like sneezing. But I'm kind of at a point where I don't really buy that anymore. Like I, Until I'm holding the game in my hands, I'm not going to believe it. Combined with the fact that uh, when that game was announced, like clearly... Uh, Vince Zampella, who's the head of Respawn, like was like under duress when he announced it. that game, and they haven't really shown anything else, and yet it's still somehow coming out this year. Plus, they have a new game, Apex Legends, that Respawn just put out. So at this point, I'm like, until I'm playing Jedi Fallen Order, I don't believe that it actually exists. Same. So, Apex Legends, it's a battle royale game set in the Titanfall universe. So it's the Titanfall three you all wanted, right? <laughs> So they've actually said that there is another Titanfall game under de- in development that is, they didn't say Titanfall 3, but they did say it was something new for the franchise. But I don't know what that means. It could be like a different genre. I'm almost wondering if it's going to be like an RTS um, with Titans and units and stuff. Because that hmm. seems like a formula that would lend itself well to that type of a game. Um, but yeah, so anyways, Apex Legends, Battle Royale game. It's out now. They announced it and released it on the same day, and people really, really <laughs> like it. Yeah, I it's mean, it's a battle well. royale game. I haven't, I, and because of that, I've been just ignoring it. Right. Like, obviously, I, I don't, it. I'm, I don't like want it to be bad, but I'm just not interested. And people are talking about it, and it's like hero based, blah blah blah. And yeah, the reception has been good. I just could not care less. I just, you know, it's free to play. That's cool. Makes it easy for people to try. But I know I'm not gonna like it. Because I don't like competitive online multiplayer games. And I don't like Battle Royale games. So, like, this isn't for me. Right. So, selfishly, I'm disappointed because, you know, Respawn, they've had two teams, which they announced like a year or so ago. And this is probably why. Um, it just takes away resources from a legit Titanfall 3 yeah. and the Star Wars the game. Titanfall 2 campaign was really better, good. So. Yeah, it was awesome. 
So I, I selfishly am like bummed, I guess, is, is maybe an exaggeration, but like it just, this does nothing for me, but it is succeeding really well already. Yeah. For People sure. love fucking Battle Royale shit, man. They do. It's the, it's it's the, the new, new hot. Oh, ooh, beat me to it. <laughs> um, but yeah. So if you want to look up what is the deal with Apex Legends, I don't know enough about Battle Royale games to really tell you why it's really different other than. It's like an Overwatch, Rainbow Six Siege, like special characters. Yeah, it has heroes, uh, hero characters. Yeah, and like some stuff about the monetization. So you are unlocking crates. They're cosmetic only, gun skins and and uh, like armor skins. The more boxes you open without a legendary or a rare, the higher your chances of getting one in the next box, uh, which is good. And there are no duplicates. Mm-hmm. So that's there. You go. I've heard well, there the are other. Thing, like, improvements in the minute-to-minute gameplay, like uh, well, quality of life improvements, I don't know what those would be. So we, we can't speak to that, and we will probably never mention Apex Legends again unless there's some crazy thing that happens. <laughs> the biggest thing to say is, like, if you like Battle Royale or you're interested, it's free-to-play. Just, right. like, go try, try it. it. Yeah. So that was Electronic Arts. Now... Although we should probably mention Fortnite, just so that I can, like, put it in the show notes to, for, like, SEO... So oh, I can put sure. like, Fortnite in the title of the episode. Fortnite, to get a million, Fortnite, 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 yeah. Fortnite, Fortnite, Fortnite. <laughs> hey, I launched the Epic Games launcher yesterday to pre-order Metro yeah. Exodus because it's not on fucking Steam anymore. Uh, yeah. But it was $10 cheaper. So I pre-ordered Metro Exodus and I looked in my library and the only other game in there was Ashen and uninstalled was Fortnite. And it was like, hey, nice. come on. You want to reinstall me? you should and i was like fuck off i play good games anyways uh sony uh i like sony (laughs) you looked at me like you were totally lost like you're like in a performance on stage and you just forgot your line uh sony (laughs) panic wide eye i like them like, literally, the story is on the screen right here. You just need to there, read the bullet points. <laughs> Sony stock sees significant decline due to slowing video games business. Great job. Thank you. Uh, I got it Yeah, out. so just like everyone else, they had their uh, quarterly earnings call, and they kind of talked through that they've had a significant stock drop, 8.1%. Which is a lot. Which has been the highest since 2015. It is quite a lot. And the biggest reason, you know, there's, I'm sure, lots of reasons, but the biggest one they point to uh, was around their games division, which yeah. makes sense. The The games division of Sony has been the most profitable for quite a while. Their, like, uh, electronics division is shitty because, one, they've all, Sony was always a premium option. They were the Porsche of televisions and stereos, etc. Yeah. And all of the other competitors that could do it for cheaper have been catching up. And the economy has been bad, and so people have been splurging less on expensive Sony products and instead buying cheaper ones. So that has been doing worse for several years at this point. Their movies division also has not been doing awesome. They don't pick a lot of good projects, and they've had a lot of flops. And even recently, I mean, like, Venom made a shit ton of money. But even recently, if you look at, like, Spider-Man, they were failing with Spider-Man, which was one of their biggest properties, which is why they partnered with Marvel, because they were like, oh, please, God, just make us some money. Like, we don't know how. Make us some money instead. (laughs) So their video games have been the most successful part of their business, which is one of the biggest reasons Kaz Harai, who used to be head of PlayStation, became, 
I don't know if he was a CEO, but someone who was like running the company of Sony corporate and is now on the board. Like he's like one of the biggest dudes at Sony and it's because of how successful he was with the video games business. So all that to say, the biggest concern is, hey, there was no PSX. Hey, they're not doing E3. Hey, all of their big games that they've announced before don't have release dates and are therefore not likely to come out in 2019. Hey, you haven't announced the PS5 yet and when it's going to come out. So just that kind of uncertain future is making stockholders afraid of Sony's future. Yeah, I mean, how That's could really they not? That's really all it points back to. Yeah, How could absolutely. they not be afraid? Totally. Totally makes sense. And I mean, obviously the PS4 has sold exceptionally well. It is dominating the market in this generation. And I don't know if like sales have like slowed down, but it's just that like forecasting. Right. They want to sell 18 to 20 million units this year to match this or to match this past year or quarter or however they measure it. But without games coming out, you can't assume it's going to continue to sell the way that it did like when Spider-Man was on there, when God of War came out, even games that weren't co-marketed but were big releases like Red Dead 2. Like, there's there are no big games like that in this first quarter. You know, you have Anthem, but that's been middling. I would not be at all surprised to see that game disappoint for sales. Right, so, and it's multiplayer. There isn't a ton. Yes. Yeah, um, yeah, but I just mean, like, a, a big game yeah. release will still sell consoles even if it's not exclusive to that console. Right. And there just there isn't a ton of that coming out um, overall this year. There a lot of these big hitting announced releases don't have 2019 release dates on them. Some of them may come out this year, but most of them probably will not. Like um, Death Stranding, that uh, Ghost of Tsushima, maybe even The Last of Us Two. Like it, it very very unlikely those games will release this year. Yeah. Um, Hopefully, Last of Us Two does. Don't get me wrong, but oh my God. at this point, not holding my breath. Right. Um, looking towards the future, though, uh, mm-hmm. the only real bit of information that we have in terms of what Sony could potentially be planning is that they recently filed a new patent uh, for a PS5 that points towards backwards compatibility. Um, and what it also might not necessarily be the PlayStation 5, uh, but people are assuming it. Um, it suggests that the PS5 would be capable of running software from "quote unquote" legacy devices, so ideally right. three, four, possibly even one and two. Um, the big problem with PlayStation Three is that the infrastructure of the console was so ridiculously difficult to work with and emulate, um, and that's why they had to. Their version of backwards compatibility was PlayStation Now, where it was all server side. Um, and it was still paid. It's not like you right. could put in your PS3 discs. Like, and right. they had, you know, they brought forth several PS3 games to the digital store. But again, you had to buy those. So it's right. not at all like Microsoft's really, really good backwards compatibility. Yeah. And how they're up games, adding achievements. They, like Microsoft has been killing it with that kind of stuff. And Sony is not. Because after acquiring Gaikai, that game streaming service, they've just been so focused on trying to build PlayStation Now. And it has not built. It's right. been a failure. So hopefully this is them admitting defeat and understanding that in order to compete uh, with Microsoft in that capacity, they need to have backwards compatibility. It might be too difficult, though, right. with PS3. Like, it might just be not capable. Like, anything is possible right. with the right amount of money. Might not be, time. like, fiscally responsible. Yes. Um, might, not, might not be possible from an investment standpoint. Right. Hopefully it is. Um. So yeah, again, you know, no word on how far back they intend to go, like with their legacy devices or what form that might take. Uh, it's just a patent filing, um, which could really be anything. They're just getting ahead of it. 
Um, and then lastly for Sony, just a little PSA that the PlayStation Plus cloud storage has increased from 10 gigabytes to 100 gigabytes. Um, yeah. So this is likely a response to them pulling support for PlayStation 3 and Vita on PlayStation Plus. They're no longer giving out free games for those uh, systems every month. Yeah, and... Th- they announced that like a year or so ago, yeah. and it goes live in March. I think is when it, it. I got an email. I think that's when it goes into effect. So yeah. yeah, this is this is a you know they're still charging the same amount, and they're going to be offering fewer games. So they needed to do something to like make people not go. Why am I still having to pay you sixty bucks a month or sixty bucks a year if I'm getting fewer things? Right. So this like how many people have more than ten gigs of save data seems nuts. But yeah, uh, you know I guess you never know. Um, yeah. hundred gigs should be plenty. <laughs> yes, more than most people should need. Um, but there you go. That's a little carrot, I guess, with the stick. Um, Microsoft has announced that they are rebranding Microsoft Studios as Xbox Game Studios. Um, so this this is pretty much in, in line with their uh their recent acquisitions of a bunch of different third-party development studios because they have acquired a lot of high-profile studios yeah. recently. So it, may, it makes sense to go from Microsoft Studios to Xbox Game Studios uh, because it, it just it, it shifts the focus into the gaming industry and kind of away from the parent company because right. Phil Spencer has spent a lot of time uh, – using the term xbox instead of microsoft xbox yes right like it's it's a branding thing yeah much like like when you think of sony like we mentioned they have their different verticals but playstation is playstation right with microsoft they have a bunch of different verticals as well and they're this is just more trying to establish xbox is the brand it's not the name of a particular console the next microsoft video game console won't be called something other than xbox ish just like there will never be a Sony console that is not a PlayStation something. Right. It's just kind of doubling down on that. Yeah. Uh, and it makes sense that they would want to do that as their studio grows. Um, sure. And, and they want to kind of consolidate that stuff. So um, there's kind of a list here of some of the studios that they have uh, yeah, I, acquired. Yeah, I more so just I more so just compiled this because each well almost all the studios have a game series that they either just launched or are currently working on. Yeah. So there's not a ton of like question marks, but I also wanted to walk through just because it's showing that especially with a lot of these recent acquisitions, like Microsoft is on par with Sony in terms of talented first party studios. Yeah. Because Sony for years and years and years has had a better stable of studios with more variety people can argue that they like halo and gears more than anything sony has put out and that's totally fine that's subjective but i objectively sony has had more larger triple a first party studios than microsoft and that's no longer the case right so now that obviously bungie is no longer with microsoft and haven't been for a while they have 343 which owns the halo series they have the coalition which um now that epic isn't working on those the coalition is the new gears series yes or gears developer compulsion games who they acquired who did we happy few the initiative which was when they did that announcement about all the studios they acquired this was their brand new studio so we don't know what they're working on i think this is the studio that it was rumored like there, there were some, uh, some, I, I, the the phrasing of how they talked about it, it led me to believe that the initiative is working on a new Fable game. 
Oh, I believe right. this I is remember the studio. That he said, and they'll they'll be they're here to you know work on to bring one of our f- great franchises back or something to that effect. Right. It was kind of right. like a throwaway line in the middle of a speech that I feel like not a lot of people picked up on, but I was like, maybe it means fable. Yeah, that could be true. Um, they have N Exile who do the Wasteland and Bard's Tale series. Mo Yang, obviously, who does Minecraft. Ninja Theory, who they recently acquired, who did the DMC game. Um, they put out Hellblade last year, 2016. I don't remember, but uh, or I guess last year was 2018 at this point. Uh, Obsidian, who they requ- acquired, who is doing the Outer Worlds, obviously famous for Fallout New Vegas and the Pillars of Eternity games. Playground and Turn 10, who are the two studios that kind of go back and forth on the Forza series. Rare, who they've had forever, who like they were doing nothing with. And then they did the Rare replay and then Sea of Thieves, which was a huge disappointment. But maybe Rare will put stuff together. (laughs) And then um, Undead Labs, who just put out State of Decay. And then their second party kind of indie publishing arm, Microsoft Global Publishing, who is responsible for putting out like Ori in the Blind Forest. They did Rise when the game when the system launched, et cetera, et cetera. So really solid stable of large and small first party studios working on stuff. And diverse. So, really diverse. Like, yeah, genre, just exciting to see. Um, exciting to see uh, kind of where they go from here. Like I just walked through a lot of these studios have an associated series that they will continue to work on, but you have to imagine a couple other new IP will come from some of these folks. Yeah. I would hope. Um, probably the biggest craziest thing about Microsoft recently is that they announced Xbox live for the Nintendo switch and mobile platforms. Right. Um, they are looking to connect players between iOS, Android, Switch, Xbox, and any game in the Microsoft Store on Windows. So mm-hmm. you could potentially launch an Xbox Live app from your Nintendo Switch sometime in the future, which is yeah. nuts. Details are kind of scarce. It was more just like a, a co-branded announcement on it. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see kind of the details and how it shakes out and if it's as cool as it might sound. The bigger takeaway for me was this is just yet another example of like Microsoft and Nintendo working together and Sony not being included. Right. Which is like similar to the cross play, blah, 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 the, you know, all that kind of crap. It's probably both of these things, but one, Sony, they're the market leader. They don't feel like they need to do this stuff to stay the market leader. And then number two, Microsoft realizing, hey, we're way behind this generation. And Nintendo always being behind or like being in a separate category almost. But them also trying to to have partnerships to build their kind of total addressable market. Those two working together. It's like it's the second and third place teams working together to take down the first place team. So it's probably both of those things. The first one, Sony being kind of cocky is the scarier thing as a fan of their ecosystem. Um that, that certainly worries me. Not that, like, I want Sony to be on top every generation. I don't particularly care as long as they make the games I want them to make. But this, like, resting on your laurels thing is something they did coming out of the PlayStation 2 era, which really hurt them early in PS3 uh, in their marketing and their, their you know, pricing and, and their games and everything else. So I don't want to see them repeat the same problems again. Right. And I have to believe, well, I have to hope that, so like, Sony's lack of communication and uh kind of more reserved public appearances lately are leading up to something big some sort of a big coordinated effort or announcement i have to hope and believe that because the alternative is things don't look great 
right. so you have to hope that this is intentional and not um, because things are kind of rotting from the inside out. Um, so yeah, this kind of has, so the Microsoft Nintendo thing has kind of implications for, I think the industry as a whole going forward, just that, you know, these companies are willing to work together and, uh, come to, and like share their player bases, right? Like, Mm -hmm. um, I think that's a really fascinating idea going into the future, kind of uniting the player bases. Uh, I think that's, um... An interesting idea. Um, and then just kind of Nintendo proper. have a few small things. Um, they have announced a Dr. Mario World mobile game coming this summer. So they kind of have... They have two, essentially. Nintendo has two mobile games that are upcoming. So Mario Kart World Tour is a mobile game. It got delayed um, just right. into 2019. Not sure really when. Um but uh, they also have this Dr. Mario World, which they just, like, tweeted out an announcement about it. They don't really have much of anything to show. It's just an image um, uh, with, a, with a with a logo. So I have no idea what that'll be like. I, I'm assuming it's probably something more puzzle game oriented uh, because that's what the old uh, Dr. Mario games were like. Uh, mm-hmm. They were kind of – they were Tetris-like, weren't they? Yeah, it was, like, color matching sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not super interested in that, but I know puzzle games right. perform very well on mobile. So if that's something that excites well, and, you, well, and they're they're not trying to like do something other than what makes sense. Like that yeah. kind of game makes sense for mobile. They're not trying to change the property and make it something bigger or different than it needs to be. These kinds of games are the games that I would want to play on mobile, right. not something you know, not um, like a shooter. Like I don't want to play a shooter on mobile. Right. Yeah. Me neither. <laughs> Um, and then the Super Mario movie, uh, which is being made by the Minions studio, Illumination, uh, Yikes. they're aiming for a release in 2022. <laughs> um, Shigeru Miyamoto is producing the film, so you can kind of keep an eye on it. And eh, uh, I'm not convinced that he's actually going to be really doing anything. I, this yeah, feels I feel more like... I feel like they just put his name on it to make people yeah. feel better. 100%. Um, He'll get a paycheck, which is nice for him, yeah. but I'm not... I don't... <laughs> And, and to be honest, I think it would be irresponsible for him to have a ton of say in the direction of the movie because he, he doesn't make, make movies. movies. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, Furukawa said in an interview, this is part of a movement within the company to bring their IPs to more people. So it is yep. likely that we will see familiar Nintendo IPs kind of crossing medias in the near future, which is interesting to see how that shakes out and what that will yeah, be like. It, it feels like the company is trying to modernize itself a little bit. Yeah. Like, even just all of its partnerships on mobile games um, is something new for Nintendo. Uh, and just the way that they've structured their their, um, their digital Nintendo Directs the last several years, a lot of it just feels like they're trying to be a little more transparent, a little get a little ahead of the message a little bit more. Obviously, announcing a movie that's four years away is a bit crazy, but... Uh, I this is an example of them trying to say like we're doing stuff differently than we have in the past. We're not going to be yeah. this closed ecosystem the way we were um, for the past thirty years. Yeah, well, you know that closed ecosystem is very typical of you know Eastern culture, business culture. Yeah, but you see, I mean, their direct competitor Sony has gotten away from that a long time ago. So it's just that that's more what I'm saying. Yeah, uh, yeah, Sony did you know 
westernize itself a lot more yeah. in terms of how they communicate. Um, and Nintendo is very archaic in, in those terms. Nintendo's so. always felt very out of touch yes. when it comes to certain things. Like their online structure, the way that like friend codes, like all that. And it's just like, what? There are so many examples of companies doing this successfully. Why are you trying to not do that? It just things, decisions that do not make sense. And it looks like from a high level perspective, they're trying to do things to change that culture of the yeah. company and how they're perceived. Yeah, which is important. Um so we'll kind of see how all that shakes out. Uh, there's also a rumor that Nintendo is to release a revised version of the Switch this fiscal year, which is counter to what we kind of chatted about last episode. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, and that's what they said. Like, th- granted, this is still a rumor. Yeah. What they said was, we are not lowering the price. We are not putting out a new Switch model this year. We're still committed to hitting right. our revenue, but they or our did sales say numbers. this year. So, fair enough. Uh, because this is this fiscal year, which runs into 2020, uh, right. we're talking about. So, I could see they could do a little tap dance around some of that wording. Still uh, weird. In a crappy Still way. weird messaging. Yes. Um, so, Nikkei, a Japanese financial newspaper, reported that sometime between April 1st and March 31st, which is the fiscal year, um, a new model of the Switch will be released. Not many details given, of course, because it's just kind of like a rumor report. Um mm-hmm. Other than it will be more focused on the handheld functionality, which I think makes right. sense if they're looking to phase out the 3DS models and go all in on the Switch infrastructure. Um, they want to they want to get those 3DS people over onto their new platform uh, in a way that kind of they, they want to kind of aggregate those two consumer bases in um, kind of a half measure uh, where they still get all their fun handheld games in a portable way. But then they will also have access to this larger uh, console quality library. Um, yeah. So it makes sense that they would want to, you know, combine the two markets that they have. Um, interested to see how that, like, what that switch is. Uh, like, does it not come with a dock? Is it a slimmer right. profile, smaller screen? If you make the screen smaller, does that mean you have to make the Joy-Con smaller? Because holy right. hell. Or do are there even Joy-Cons? Is yeah, it, do they even, like, come, do they even off? come off? Or is it just, is it, does it look like a 2DS where it's just a flat piece of technology? Right. Does yeah. it just have, like, the the gizzards of a Switch, but in, you know, a new shell? Um, can it dock if you were, can you buy a dock separately if you decide, hey, that's what I want now? Um, is that something that they're capable of doing? Um, you know, will it have the same quality of screen? You know, like, uh, who knows? Uh, that's an interesting exercise in thought. Um, the fear for me, which granted, this is all speculation. We don't even know that this is happening whatsoever, much less what form it will take. But the fear for me would be that despite them saying all the same Switch experiences will be available on both versions of the console... They have to have both versions of the console in mind when they make the game. Right. So if it can't dock, that means every game needs to still work really well only in handheld mode. Like that and if the Joy Cons don't come off, they need to take away the the motion control stuff. Like it's just there are a lot of potential implications of a new version of a new version of the console that isn't just a smaller, cheaper one. Which right. when you look at what Microsoft and Sony do, they just make smaller, cheaper versions of the same console. 
with this, that we're talking about potentially a, a new way that you were interacting with the console, which means that everything that's made has to have both those things in mind. And that gets complicated. Yeah, it does. Um, or, you know, if you buy this version of the Switch, you have to know that, hey, I won't get full access to this entire library. And I can't, I which, mean, granted, they did that with the 3DS and the 2DS exactly. and the 3DS XL. They, they made and blah, the blah. new 3DS where yeah. only certain games worked the new 3DS. And that, I mean, the, the response to that was terrible as it should have been yeah and again that was an example of like nintendo fundamentally not getting it so hopefully that's not something that that's not a mistake that they would repeat because that would be a crazy mistake to repeat so we shall see yeah um so that's kind of all the news i mean that was a lot of news but that's all of it there's a whole heck of a lot of news Thank you for compiling that, because uh, there's no way I would have been able to do that this morning as I'm setting up my computer. Uh, just the fact that I was able to set up my computer is a big accomplishment for me. I, I I set it up, and it wasn't working, and I troubleshooted it and figured out how to fix it, and that is not something that I would have anticipated I was going to be able to do. So, <laughs> patting myself on the back for knowing how to computer. Um, okay, so let's do a quick hate of the week. So in speaking about my new commute and how it sucks, there was one morning where there was a slight drizzle in Atlanta. And instead of it taking me 50 to 60 minutes to get to work, it took me 90 minutes to get to work. Because people driving in the rain here, it's like the apocalypse is happening when it's raining. No one goes more than like 40 miles an hour, even on the highway. Everyone is, like, brake-checking everything and, like, trying to scoot in and out of each other even more than normal. It's just, like, like people do not know what to do. And it is unbelievably frustrating. And we were originally supposed to get some snow last week. And I am oh so thankful we did not. Because if we got snow, it would be the end of the world here. <laughs> like, people would be murdering each other in the streets because they don't know how to drive. It's, like, it's unbelievable, man. So yeah, people driving in the rain in Atlanta. It's not good. But um, that's going to do it for this episode, other than something that we don't hate. So I will say that despite my new commute, and the moving, and the unpacking that still needs to happen, and the cleaning of our old place that needs to happen, I do really like our new place. And one of the biggest reasons I like our new place is that in order to let my dog out, all I need to do is open the back door. We have a great big backyard that's fenced in. Which is one of the reasons it was like one of our check boxes on a, on getting a house, so he can go out and do his business. He can run around. He can sniff, and I still go back there with him sometimes just to walk around and throw the ball a little bit. But like if it's like late at night or raining or really cold, I don't even have to go outside to let him go and do his business, and it's glorious. I don't even know what that would have been like having to like go out with Harry every time. Yeah, that sounds awful. Yeah. And you don't have to Four pick times up, you don't a day. have to pick up his poops anymore, dude. Well, we didn't pick up his poops before either because we were in the woods. Oh, okay. And we just let him go in the woods, like down the hill. That wasn't a worry. That's the only thing with it now is like I am always a little afraid going in the backyard because I don't want to like step on a pile of shit. So we're gonna eh. have to figure something out. You have you have yard work shoes like I do. <laughs> That's okay. what you have now. Oh right, damn, we're poop. Need, Who cares? We need to buy a lawnmower. Yep. Shit. Ugh. Yep. And guess what? 
Now that you have a lawnmower, you have to get gas for it. And you have to remember to get gas for it. <laughs> you have to mow the lawn, Shay. I've made a huge mistake. You have. As I would say in Arrested Development. <laughs> um, well, today I don't hate all of the good games that are on the horizon. Yeah. Right? We got Metro coming out this week. Got Anthem. Wait, really? Metro's the 15th, I think. Oh, man. Yeah, dude. I'm never going to finish 2018 games. <laughs> and then there's Anthem. When does Anthem come out? That's like... At the end of the month. Okay. I think it's like the 22nd. Okay, so the next week. And then there's Division in March. Uh, I think The Sinking City in March was kind of a Cthulian thing. Then there's Days Gone in, I think, April. And then Rage in May. Yep. I mean, plus, I mean, Crackdown comes out next week, yeah, which I don't care, but it's neither. a big game. Um, Far Cry New Far Dawn Cry. comes out next week, which, again, don't care, but it's happening. Devil May Cry 3 is in March. Right. Uh, Sekiro Shadows Die Twice is in March, right. which I figured you'd be interested in. Uh, I'm going to take a break from Souls Likes for a bit. Okay. Mortal Kombat 11 comes out in April, which I don't care about, but it's another big game. So, lots of, like, you know, interesting games. There are no, like... I wouldn't consider any of those games to be, like, the thing. Except for, like, maybe Rage 2 is the closest of, like, the huge, huge temple releases. Sure. But a lot of, like, that next tier down yeah. releases in the first several months. Which is kind of surprising. I feel like the games industry is moving a little more. And maybe it's just because games keep getting delayed. Which is why we're seeing a lot more new releases early in the year. And then you still get the summer slump. Yeah. Presumably Animal Crossing this summer. Presumably. Okay, that, that's a great summer game. Yes. That's another thing. We actually have a back porch right now. Or, a, I get, yeah, what's it? Is it a porch? The wood is porch, right? I feel like patio is, like, on the first yeah. level. Well, yeah, pa- well, a, a porch is suspended in some way. A patio yeah. is ground level. And that's what we, because our house is a split level. So, our, quote-unquote, first floor is half a level up. And the, quote-unquote, basement is half a level down. And we're also... Our backyard is a down slope, so like our patio, nope, our porch, you you exit from the top level, but it's like a full story above the ground. Right. Like there's a full set of stairs down, so it's like it looks a little weird, but it's it's nice sized, and it's not gross and facing a woods the way that our patio at our apartment was, where it just got disgusting, just spider webs and leaves and shit everywhere, and we never wanted to be out there. This is actually nice, and we'll sit out there when the weather gets good, and like I'll sit out there and read and like play Switch and shit. So and that'll be really watch cool. your daughter roll down the hill over and over. Yeah, again. Yeah, totally, absolutely, doing irreparable damage to her ability to have her inner ear fluid balance. Eh, Kelly will be down stuff. there with her. Yeah, she can deal with it. It'll be fine. Kids are resilient. It's true. They're made of iron. <laughs> Mostly water, but yeah, there's some iron in the water. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's 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 a podcast. So I'm sure next episode we're still going to be talking a shit ton about Kingdom Hearts, but yeah. we should also have some talk about... Uh, Metro! Metro. Will Anthem have come out? Maybe. Maybe we'll be talking second. about Anthem. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, this we should be talking second. about Anthem. Some other stuff. So yeah, some some games. Games are releasing. But that's gonna do it for this episode. Episode forty four. We're getting close to fifty. I still need to figure out the YouTube situation so I can upload videos on YouTube. That's still a goal before episode fifty, but we'll get there. But thanks everybody for listening. 
Kyle, as always, thank you for joining. Yeah. And we'll be back in episode 45 with some more video games and movies and television and books and comics and news and hates and other shit that matters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, when's it Talking when's about it branding when's today. It talking about branding. That's something that I, 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 have, I have great pride in that tagline. I think it's a good fucking tagline. Because I, I made it. Because you so thought it up. Yep. <laughs> <It's good. laughs> All right, guys. We'll see you in the next one. Peace out.